Hello, great listeners of ours. It's Marvelous or the Death of Cinema. It's me, your bestest, bestest friend, Nicole. And I'm joined by, as always, Stu, aka Tyrell James, aka Discourse 2. And I am very, very honored to have our very first guest, which is a long time coming. It's none other than Kathy Brennan, aka at Town Tattle, the Queen of Simpsons means herself. Kathy, welcome to the pod. I'm so glad you're going to be able to back me up uh, defending somewhat Civil War. <laughs> <Girls> <laughs> do hated it. A reluctant defense. No, thank you very much, uh, Nicole and Stu, uh, for inviting me on. Um, this is very exciting for me. <laughs> Yeah, so Kathy is uh, in my uh, little film Twitter circle is a uh, very, uh, at least in my opinion, very highly regarded uh, film critic uh, hailing from the UK, as you can probably tell from the adorable accent. Um, yeah, so I back a couple months ago, I, I DM'd you about potentially coming on the podcast and you mentioned, oh, I'd like to come on about Civil War. And so we fi- we made the decision to finally leap back into these Marvel movies after taking a bit of a DC uh, backtracking hiatus. And mm. so here we are. And you know what? It's a good thing we have a third person here because holy shit, there is so much going on in this movie. Um, and it it might, this might be a, for the first time, uh, we have a divided opinion. We've got our own civil war going on. Here. It's It's crap. <laughs> See, women have a lobe in their brains um, that makes it impossible to judge the quality of a film if there's like a hot guy or or two hot guys and like even just the vaguest whiff of homosexuality uh, between them. I I'll, I'll stop you there because uh, it, they it know it releases a series of chemicals into the the um. The 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 cerebellum amygdala cortex, and uh, it calcifies the pineal gland like fluoride, (laughs) and just renders all objective judgment impossible. Um, (laughs) This movie is just dog's ass, (laughs) beginning to end. As far as I'm concerned, it's just. It's just terrible. <laughs> I I had such a bad time watching it, and, and I, you weren't I, high this time. Were I you? kept having to. No, no, I was. I, I, <laughs> um, I mean, I was. Too. I don't get like really. I don't get really going to watch these because um, I I don't want to lose track of the movie altogether. <laughs> you know, I want to have a lucid recollection of what I've seen, but like you know, I, I'm not going through this sober. Um, but yeah, you, know. you are you are firmly if if you are firmly anti civil war. Um, I'm not going to say I'm worst worst one worst worst one of these. It's it's, no, it's really no kind way. of an encapsulation no, of everything that makes no, these it's not. terrible. It, Stu, is this worse than Thor: The Dark World? I mean, okay, here, here, okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the. Thing. I mean, I'm shaking my head at you. <laughs> Kind, I mean, I wouldn't. It's 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 like at, at like a very basic entertainment level. Maybe it's a little better, but what? it's wow. um, it's it, it's it's it encapsulates 
everything I I think like okay, if there's an I, origin yes, point for this if there's an origin point for this whole show, it's the first time I tried to watch this and quit halfway through because I was so frustrated with it. Um, which I I think I've said before and and I I very, very rarely just like quit movies partway through <laughs> once I've decided to watch one. Um and and I think it's like that moment is the germ of why I wanted to do this and, and try and understand how something so uh, tedious and and banal could be um, a cultural juggernaut. Uh, yeah. And I feel like I've come no closer to understanding. Um, um, yeah. Before before I give my hastily written summary, Kathy, in short, what's what's your take? In- initial impressions. Um, Yes, initial impressions. So this is my first time. Or, or, I mean, if this is a re- rewatch, uh, rewatching it uh, since seeing it in the cinema in 2016, and I went to see it with a bunch of people who I worked um, at my university student cinema with. Loved it. Had a great time. And six years later, I still had fond memories of that screening. Rewatching it was sort of like you know coming back to earth. Like, no, this isn't like. A movie, but I still have a certain affection for it. Yeah, you know what? I I am. It's 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 Stu versus me and Kathy, basically. Um, yeah, I I agree with Stu that like this movie encapsulates like a lot of things that are now like terrible about the state of cinema. Like this is an origin point. Mm. Um, you know, the, the Russos will not survive the revolution, um, you know, for various reasons. Like, the the whole thing, like, on Twitter this past week was them not... Which is so stupid. They were, like, shitting on the theater experience as if, like, all of their successful movies didn't make, like, a mm. billion dollars at the box office. Which is, like, you know, They're, shut the fuck up. But, but... They are such good little fucking company men. They, they are. Absolutely. <laughs> So I, I definitely agree, like, it, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, this is totally corporate. Like, it's, an, you know, I as I've said before, mm. IP Bukake Fest. However, however, um, to quote I, to quote what I said in my letterbox review, when it's laser focused on the interpersonal, like, character relationships and feels like a well-written fan fiction, it works yeah. for me, for me. And this is, and you know what, I'm, I, I can't say staring at Chris Evans for like two and a half hours didn't, you know, after, after especially coming off of the fucking amazing Spider-Man movies. Like that wasn't like that was like putting like an IV in my <laughs> arm and like resuscitating me or with a, a like shot of adrenaline to the heart. Get, um, you, get you get you back on your feet. A bit of steroids. Oh, like <laughs> What was so what was so funny, Kathy, when you posted the screenshot of, of mm-hmm. Steve like holding the helicopter and I was like, that ex- yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean it's this is this is a very this is a, you know what? I it's fortuitous that this is gonna be a divided episode, but should I uh I wrote a summary, Stu. I, I said you could write a summary too if you wanted to. Um my, oh, I, is... I'll just I'll I'll riff. Okay, I'll just, just riff. I'll just riff mine out. Um, summary. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Captain America: Civil War, <laughs> Avengers two and a half. Uh, okay, what do we got? 
we, we have some sort of non-political, political, non-political disagreement in which uh, we may or may not have a vaguely defined international law which is supposed to regulate uh, enhanced humans, which is just one of the most obnoxious, like, we can't say superhero in the superhero movies bullshit. We can't um, say X Men. It's stolen by Fox. Uh, yeah. Okay, I don't know when the Fox mutant. murder happened. Yeah, mutant. we can't say mutant. But we can't say superhero, no, enhanced, indivi- enhanced individual, which. Which sounds like like a like a like a euphemism for a special needs person. Um, yeah, I was in the class for enhanced individuals. Yeah, it does kind of sound learning to spell and <laughs> Jesus. So um, um I I don't know what the conflict in this movie okay. really is because this fucking law, the the Sokovia Accords, because these guys blew up it's funny. they're all mad at the avengers for blowing up not kosovo but they're they're not mad at tony stark for making the bad guy that actually blew it up they're just mad at yeah. them for blowing it up in the process of saving it from getting blown up even more um and there's they're gonna regulate superheroes in a way that's very unclear but is uh implied to be unacceptably totalitarian for reasons uh, and because they can't have any politics in 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 their political disagreement without risking alienating one of all eight billion people on the planet, they instead have to make this movie about how the Avengers are going after the Winter Soldier and Captain America is defending them because that's his um, his his friend slash uh, gay lover. It's a very uh, Sam and Frodo kind of situation uh, between the twixt of them. Uh, okay, <laughs> and that's the movie. Basically, you've got a bunch of stuff that is just B plot filler, and then you've got a giant stupid fight at an airport where they just pull Ant Man out of a van and be like, "It's your turn to be in the movie, Paul Rudd." And then he's, <laughs> he's he's fighting Vision. These guys don't know each other; they've never met. They have no particular investment in the plot or particular reason, your particularly well defined motivation. And they're going at it, and everybody's having a great old time. The whole fight um, up until the end feels like a bunch of guys in a Halo custom games lobby <laughs> together. Sure, sure, we're killing each other, but none of it's real. We're all just riffing. We're going to punch the clock at the end of the day and go have some beers. Um, none of them are taking it seriously, <laughs> which which would be... I mean, I kind of like grew up on that. I kind of <laughs> grew up on like Halo custom games. Exactly, which would be fine if the whole movie was that tone but no we're supposed to be invested in this conflict in which 80 percent of the overstuffed cast has thin or no motivation um and then uh we get to the end of the movie where we have like the one motivated bit of action the whole thing where it's just uh bucky and captain america and iron man all duking it out because some sort of angry slavic man has tricked them into fighting and he's and he's he's lured them into a old soviet missile silo where he's watching them through a little window and he's like hey look i have security camera footage from like where that shows that it was well that's a when but like it's just like they've got like enough camera angles to see everything clearly even though it's again one of those situations where it's like i don't know why there's cameras there they're just there to be yeah um and 
He's just like, look, look, here's this footage. The Winter Soldier killed Iron Man's parents. He killed his mom. Iron Man loved his mom. Five movies and we've never heard about Iron Man's mom. But suddenly he is pissed that 30 years ago, the, Bucky killed them. And it's like, after the Loki thing, aren't we all familiar with mind control and how that works? <laughs> are, we, are we going there? We, you, you haven't figured out this whole like, yeah, he was mind controlled. It's not even really his fault. No, I've got to get revenge over my mom who was just absent. For, I thought he didn't have a mom. I thought maybe he was grown in a vat <laughs> by his dad. His mom has never come up before, but suddenly it's like his key motive is to avenge the death of his mom. So we just everything is contrived. They've, they've got like, and this is the most like we've got this list. We've got this list of all these characters that need to be in the movie and all the ones who need to fight each other. And the script is just the most Frankenstein <laughs> stitched and scotch taped together bullshit to contrive these moments, which which made it impossible for me to have even the faintest glimmer of a feeling the whole time I was watching it, except contempt. And then at the very end of the movie, we have a great big fight scene and, and people kind of part on bad terms, but also, you know, when Avengers happens, we'll, we'll come back and we'll all get back to get the band back together. So I'm sure that's how that's going to go. Which means it ultimately amounted to nothing. It, it, um, it's uh, it, it, it's all sound and fury and and really <laughs> like, was that a pun? Oh yeah, who was that from? Soy dialogue. Nick Fury. Uh, Samuel no. Jackson's not in this unless he, in unless this. he was the one who texted Steve that Peggy died, <laughs> which is like <laughs> I was thinking like who 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 was that? Yeah, that had to be Nick Fury because it's like it's a unregistered like number and it's like all in like old man caps. <laughs> Like who? This is something I would like personally call someone. Be like, hey, the love of your life, uh, who's like ninety-seven years old with dementia, she died. <laughs> uh, please come to London so you can be a pallbearer. Um, hold on, can I, I read my? Bust inside of her, her, her knees. Jesus, Jesus. Um, all right, well, let me, let me blow read. out her back walls no. with your super dick. Dude, let me, let me. All right, let me, Miguel, cue up that music because I'm gonna, I'm gonna read off my hastily written summary as per tradition so give me that one two three. Oh yeah rest in peace aaron carter by the way oh yeah r.i.p uh he he beat shaq but yeah all right but he couldn't beat the reaper what one two three and a one and a two and a one two three Captain America Civil War, also known as the Avengers Two and a Half, The Smell of Fear, aka Iron Man 4, aka Steve Rogers Takes a Wakandan Vacation, is the movie that solidified the Russos as the creative overlords of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the horsemen ushering in the proverbial death of cinema. In the aftermath of Tony Stark's renegade robot making a former Soviet city-state fly and various other incidences of massive collateral damage, the UN passes the Sokovia Accords to bring the Avengers under government supervision for accountability purposes now that S.H.I.E.L.D. no longer exists and their entire operation is being funded by a billionaire tech pervert. 
guilted into supporting the Accords by a lady whose kid went backpacking in Sokovia at the wrong damn time, traumatized small bean Tony Stark urges his compatriots to sign their rights away to the UN because it'll force him to stop being Iron Man as much and maybe allow him to get back together with Gwyneth Paltrow, who isn't in this movie because she had vagina crystals to sell. The main holdout on the Accords, though, is Captain America, who's understandably hesitant to trust a government institution considering the last one he serviced was, oops, all Nazis. Plus, there's still a manhunt underway for his long-lost love-slash-platonic-life partner Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, who's framed for bombing the UN and killing the King of Wakanda by a Sokovian warmonger mad that his family died during the Flying City incident. The Accords split the loyalties of the Avengers down the middle while bringing in two new intellectual properties to the cinematic universe to make massive amounts of money with. Black Panther, played by the late Chadwick Boseman, and Zendaya's boyfriend as your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man after Sony was forced to bend the knee in a shared custody agreement with Kevin Feige. Ironically, Captain America's Civil War just might be the movie that causes an all-out civil war on this podcast because Stu hated it and thinks it's shit, well, I found it to be a marginal improvement over the politically hollow grift that is the Winter Soldier. That said, Feige, the Russos, and McFeely and Marcus have yet to atone for the crime that is Steve Rogers making out with his barely dead love interest CIA niece, who may or may not be related to him, depending on how you interpret the mechanics of timelines after Avengers Endgame. We do not forgive and we do not forget on this podcast. So until they apologize for their disrespect towards Peggy Carver, I'll say Civil War isn't actually bad if you cut the entire forced heterosexuality subplot from the movie. End scene. And the fight that takes up the middle third of the film. It's it's okay. It's okay until it completely switches to being shot on green screen. Unwatchable. It's unwatchable. I the fight, but also like this movie is terrible. Um, no, We're, no. Uh, so I absolutely will not. <laughs> Basically, like a few hours before recording, I was in the pub with my friend, um, and I, you know, I told him about the podcast, and it was like, oh, like what's Captain America: Civil War about? And I had like about ten seconds of like a crisis because I realized I couldn't really come up with it. And I was like, why am I oh appearing on this podcast if I can't just summarize this damn movie that I saw 48 hours ago? But eventually I did sort of like, you know, work up and I started talking about Daniel Brühl and all the stuff that happens. And then like after about 10 minutes, because it took me 10 minutes to summarize this damn movie. And he just said to me, yeah, that sounds really boring. <laughs> and I was like, I, I like I tend to be quite good at sort of like explaining a movie to people, but yeah, he was not impressed. And so I think what that kind of like was, uh, these Marvel films, like in the moment you enjoy them a bit, like, uh, I hate to use the fast food analogy, but you know, like a McDonald's or something, but then if you try and sort of like, you know, advertise it to someone, they just look and see like, a smushed processed food and they're like what the hell are you talking about yeah yeah Stu, you say you your your go-to food analogy is like it's like cotton candy well i i can i actually i use the big mac one a lot for what these movies are as a commodity uh but cotton, actually that's kind of what i use to describe like jj abrams movies but that applies to this i think uh mm. is they they have yeah cotton candy because they're kind of sweet and light but they have no uh, integrity. They just dissolve on contact. Um, this this movie's got a lot of plot, but it has very little story. 
that's why it's mm-hmm. hard to summarize. There's a there's a ton of shit happening, but none of it, most of it, doesn't mean anything or go anywhere. Well, um, for the for the purpose of of just sort of structuring this discussion, can we kind of let's take this from the beginning? Um, because or, or or at least again, I I was fully expecting to revisit this and be horribly disappointed the way like I was with Winter Soldier. I was like. Oh no, I remember this movie being good and not uh, people talking in front of green screens and implying that we invited Nazis into our government institution. Why would we do that? Um, but yeah, the, I, yeah, so the, the movie, well, aside from the little opening scene, like cold open in 1991, where we introduce uh, the brainwashing book that, is used to activate the winter soldier. It's got like the brown note terms or whatever. Uh, the, yeah, the, well, <laughs> and I will say opening it with opening the movie with the assassin, the assassination of the Starks is, but, but we don't know it's them until the end. I mean, yeah, I it's mean, not it, hard to figure I, out. I will when... say it was, it was, it was shown in like the remember in winter's well you probably don't remember winter soldier but the the scene in winter soldier where uh the the programmed consciousness of emil zola uh tells them like all you know that hydra's been active in shield for years and years and they're like uh bits about the winter soldier and there's a news clipping that says you know the starks are dead so that's that's the first tell i remember seeing that in the theater and being like oh shit so knowing, so that, that was like, it wasn't spoken explicitly, but it was, yeah, allu- uh, explicitly alluded to. Um, so I, yeah, I, I have to say, I actually like the opening of this movie compared to like the other Marvel stuff and that it's a pretty grim opening and that it's showing an, an assassination. Um, you know, we get the. A uh, little Avengers mission over uh, in Nigeria where they end up fucking up the Institute yeah, of Infectious uh, me- Diseases for crossbows. In Africa City, Africa, yeah, we get just the most sub Jason Bourne, sub James Bond. It's I I wrote action I wrote in my notes this Bourne identity opening action set piece actually not bad. Uh, and- no, no, it's it. <laughs> Like they have some like actual cars and sets, yeah. but that's not sufficient to make it good. Because uh, the whole thing is shot with all of this like really half-assed shaky cam, which is just a way to get lots of coverage and sh- and 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 get around action sequences. You can just show like, oh, here's a foot, here's a hand, here's a stunt double, here's the actor. Yeah. Um, but it's. I think with shaky cam, um, that that kind of faux documentary style. Um, they also have the really high shutter speed, like a, like the Saving Private Ryan, which there's not a lot of motion blur. Um, that gives it that kind of like sharpness to it. Uh, the whole point of that is to give it a kind of verisimilitude, not not necessarily realism, but that sense of like impressionistic immediacy, like you're in the fight just kind of and it's happening all around you executed well for something that's like somewhat grounded th- that can work like that can work for like a jason Bourne movie um 
for this bullshit where a guy's just got like wings strapped to his back and and, and people are, are fucking and he has, yeah, I he keep has forgetting a, he has a which bird he's supposed he to be red wing yeah. it's probably an easter egg but I, I did that's you definitely probably cringed at that line but I thought it was cute but for all of for, for this kind of action why do the shaky cam high shutter speed thing yeah other than that well it's a kind of a cheap way around how you conduct the action and um, that it's just, it it seems like it's just kind of like, well, this is how an espionage action movie is made. We're, we're vaguely an espionage action movie for this scene. So we're just going to shoot it like this. And it's the, the style is wasted on this type of action. And this type of action is wasted on that style. Cause you can't, sit back and uh, there's no strong impactful visual moments there's you can't appreciate the elaborate choreography or the over-the-top action i'll stop uh, i'll stop you there because there's there's the one shot where like uh cap falls and it granted it's a cgi like stunt double but like he domes it off the side of a building and i was like oh god <laughs> so just person is there, okay. there is some like you know, it's it's granted it's no guy getting shredded in a propeller or Tim Roth getting yeeted into a tree, but it was you know it, he, his head makes a hard thunk against the side of a building, and I was like, ooh, ooh, that's gotta hurt. Um, oh, okay, sure, but in in general though, like it's it's again it's just frustrating because it's just this it's it's a formulaic approach to action. It's well, this is action. Should we shoot it like this? Because because it's gives it immediacy. And, verisimilitude and it's like it no you're you're you're, this is bullshit fantasy nonsense zoom out and give me uh let me appreciate the elaborate action you choreograph this is a 200 million dollar movie yeah i will um but it's just it's it's that kind of decision making right um i think frustrates on a narrative level Uh, i found it kind of interesting that they juxtapose uh the bucky stark scene with that um, Lagos scene, because they both depict um, sort of like, you know, sort of like um, secret military operations, but like, whereas one is like very sort of isolated um, and shown to be sort of like rather sinister and evil, the one that is um, the operation that has like civilians at risk is like you know full of like quippy banter and you know like heroic posturing with like the triumphant music and all that i i I just found that kind of like interesting like particularly if you look at uh the marvel films from how it uh portrays the military and military operations yeah you're right i also have to bring up with that scene nicole i think i sent you a screenshot of the nestle advert (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Nestle Nestle product placement. <laughs> Proud owners of the entire Nigerian freshwater supply since 1987. Oh no, just like the whole, um, you know, like I in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like Captain America's like superpower is the idea that he knows what's right, you know. Um, and then there's yeah. just like him, sort of like marching up like next to uh, a giant nestle advert i just found it kind of like hilarious and i yeah I, that's a that's a mask off moment and i really sort of like asked like obviously 
Disney must have like worked with Nestle. There must have been some sort of like deal oh, yeah. made with the mm-hmm. palm oil extractors and slave labor users to have that shot in that movie and the juxtaposition of Captain America with this, you know, sort of like unremittingly evil corporation. Like everyone has known that Nestle is pure evil since I think it was like the 80s, maybe even earlier than that, the 70s even. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a given whenever you see like a corporate logo or anything, it's like, oh, it's a just by virtue of being a part of the capitalist system, it's a something that did heinous shit overseas. Mm. Um, but I, I, you gotta I, have your your chocolate milk. You gotta, you gotta have your. We gotta have our chalky milk. But with the 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 important thing this this scene sets up, which at first I was like, do we really need this scene? Is that uh, you know, Wanda Scarlet Witch, even though we're still not able to call her Scarlet Witch, so she's just Wanda because mm. of of copyright issues or whatever uh wanda uh uh crossbones which is what's that actor's name uh he that that guy he uh attempts to like blow himself up and take you know steve with him um and wanda contains the blast um but because she's still very much like a novice at this whole superpower thing uh, she, she she switched sides, so she she's she's back to level one. Yeah, so she changed alignment. So she 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 makes the bomb go up in the air to try to you know get it away from this huge crowd of Nigerian civilians. Like this is taking place in like a like a outdoor like shopping area, um, and the bomb accidentally explodes right uh, into uh, the building for the uh, Institute of Disease Control, which. Also, probably some heinous shit going on there. Um, I guess they, they were on a mission to retrieve some biochemical weapon that Crossbones was going to steal. But anyways, uh, uh, the uh, blast ends up killing uh, some Nigerians. But more importantly, it kills a handful of uh, Wakandans who are on an outreach mission in Nigeria. So this is our first actual involvement of... Uh, Wakanda in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even though like the vibranium has been, you know, in the, you know, the where vibranium comes from has been alluded to numerous times. Um, but I think, yeah, after this, I was like, do we really, do we need to establish like, this is, this is the thing that like pushed them over the edge just, just to like, you know, you've got to mm. stop this collateral damage. And then as it went on longer, I realized it's more in service of like Wanda's characterization, at least like setting her up as being, because uh, I, uh, to my understanding, she kind of becomes more of a, like a neutral, uh, neutral, neutral sort of character. Come like uh, uh, multiverse of madness, where I think she's the antagonist. So it's it's kind of I think it's kind of laying the foundation for her, you know, having this very uh, complex and complicated relationship I mean, to her powers. I would, what she's I supposed would not to do. give them credit for having a a character arc thought through and uh laid out for her okay that much um so the next scene is i don't know we're gonna uh let's talk about digitally de-aged robert downey jr who uh how <laughs> creepy lo- weird why do they <laughs> do that honestly doesn't look as bad doesn't look too bad like they're his forehead's a little janky but like mm. compared to fucking undead general wrong. tarkin in rogue one 
it looks much better, presumably he because looks- they have plenty of footage of younger Robert Downey Jr. They could have plastered on some guy's face. He, I think he looks freaky deaky. It's like the wrong head <laughs> on the wrong body. Well, Even simply with not the his de-aging, body. He just he just looks like a middle aged man's head on a teenager's body. It's weird. It's it's like one of those guys with that old man syndrome where they look like they're seventy <laughs> years old by the time they graduate high school. Or yeah. the, the Jack syndrome. Oh. Yeah, the Jack syndrome. <laughs> uh. So this this is another one of these fucking he just has magic technology for no reason. He's built a like virtual reality hologram that reads your mind and reconstructs your memories so that he can give himself therapy. Trauma VR. <laughs> Poor baby billionaire. Like like he just whipped off just like eight different kinds of like world-changing technology at once. So so he can have therapy and he can tell his parents that he loves them, which he never really got to do, which is stupid. Uh, which I guess, you know, they're trying to find like a fun way to integrate a flashback and and reveal that he had a mom the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's the, 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 but the real twist. Fuck off. Yeah, he had a mom. I can't believe it. I mean, I do appreciate the fact that that scene was used to set up uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in the second Spider-Man movie. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, it's kind I, of I like... actually haven't seen uh, Far From Home, so... Oh, uh, that's another MCU yeah, one that Mysterio. I actually have like fond memories of, but... Sorry, we, I'm jumping ahead, aren't I? But it's basically like he's the guy who made the de-aged Robert Downey Jr. thing. Wait, Jake Gyllenhaal did? Yeah, like he plays Mysterio in the second Spider-Man movie. Yeah. I think it's called like Far From Home. Yeah. And like he's like embittered about like Robert Downey Jr. basically like taking the piss out of it. Wait, so Robert Downey Jr. stole his technology for trauma? Yeah, kinda. I can't remember it like too well, but like the whole sort of like projection memory thing is like Jake Gyllenhaal's character's like thing, and he kind of uses an altered version of technology to warp reality for Tom Holland in Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. His original origin story is that he's a Hollywood visual effects guy. Who, Mysterio? Yeah, it's kind yeah. of like, yeah. Huh. It's orig- that's his original origin story. Okay. It's, it's basically just like that movie FX, but a super villain with a big fishbowl on his head. <laughs> um, but one of the things that's interesting about uh, Robert Downey Jr., or rather sort of Tony Stark, I keep Referring to characters by their actors. We do it all, again. We do this back yeah. and forth, back and forth. It's just, everyone knows what we're talking about. So yeah, but like the idea of like infinite resources as like a billionaire being the equivalent of uh, superpowers or like magic powers, like Doctor Strange yeah. and Scarlet Witch, like waving their hands and CGI goo comes out, and then like having billions of dollars is like the equivalent of that for Tony Stark. Yeah. I, well, that's the only real superpower that exists. Is it, in yeah. Life well. No, well, no, no, because there is another superpower and it's the one that Captain America and Steve Rogers has. And that is uh, unwavering optimism in the goodness of, of people and their ability to change. Can I, I also want to point out that that, that scene, that 
you know, he's he's giving this like tech demo and that's taking place at MIT, which uh, is, you know, Cambridge, which is right across the pond from me, um, which, yeah, there's the shot of the crowd. I'm like, at least like 10 people would be drinking Dunkin Donuts in that crowd. Like, come on, Marvel. Well, Dunkin Donuts didn't pay them that. Exactly. Yeah, that's why they didn't they didn't do any sort of uh, 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 agreement to sponsor Civil War. That would be that would be so funny though, <laughs> like uh, only funny to me as someone from Boston. Best part of my day is when I'm at Duncan. You think that's sad? Yes, very. Um, but yeah, there Tony goes backstage, and there's how did that lady get backstage? Well, before well before that, it's something I want to hit. He oh, okay, goes up to all the goes out to all the nurses. It's like I am funding. It's yeah. like the Oprah car thing, but it's like oh, a yeah. car and all the rich grant money. <laughs> and it's like, I, I love that this guy can just like functionally privatize like education and research and development like that. That's fucking great. That's so mm. heroic. It's cool. Yeah. It's just, it's just, he, he, he should have control of all those resources and decide. It's, 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 it's done in such a blase manner um, and it kind of sort of like makes you sort of like yeah. kind of sort of like tacitly accept like gross uh inequality like oh yeah of course of course he's just like yeah yeah it's hmm. like oh he's being philanthropic it's like he shouldn't have the resources to dictate what, how they're used in the first place but that's the thing with the whole plot of this movie and, and that's the thing with the whole like superheroes is like a minority is they want us to look at this like well, they're taking all of these weirdos, like gay people, and they're controlling them, monitoring them. It's like, uh, no, it's like rich guys and nuclear bombs, and they want that shit on lockdown, as it should be, <laughs> right? Like the that that whole analogy has never worked because superpowers aren't like being a minority. <laughs> yeah, um, um, which eventually we will definitely. We'll definitely have to do mm. like the X Men movies. Like we, that's a that's I think our major blind spot as of right now since we've covered you know the you know the Amazing Spider Man and some of the other stragglers. Although we we will eventually, I think we will eventually get to Venom, mm. and I think that's going to be really fun. Uh, well, the 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 Brian Singer X Men movies, the X Men are all a metaphor for being pedophiles. <laughs> See, I like threw my hands up in the air because mm. I was like, I, I know where you're saying for this. Oh yeah, no, that episode's gonna Miguel's gonna have to do like overtime editing that episode. Mi- misunderstood and and maligned like, by society. Like the Brian Singer X Men films as like nonce allegory um, could be dicey. Could be dicey. Yeah. Well, I mean, what 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 is Professor Xavier doing with all those those young people up in his Jesus mansion? What do you think he's doing? Like that's 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 just uh, he's just collecting. That, that's kids. just his little St. James. He's man. just collecting kids. You gonna Tony 60, Stark collects 61st a kid. Street Mansion. You know. Yeah, but just one. Okay. Well, before we get to Spider Man. I do want to bring up, like, how did that? Yeah, mm. so there's like a, a lady who sneaks backstage, uh, like the the MIT conference. Uh, she's like, I I work for a the State Department in HR. You know, she like waylays Tony on his way. Like he's in the middle of kind of having like a panic attack because is the teleprompter referenced uh, Pepper, 
And I guess because we couldn't get Gwyneth Paltrow in the movie, she was presumably too busy with poop stuff. You know, they he's so she's they're on a break or broken up or whatever. They yeah, which is so yeah, just you know that, that's the thing. Well, we couldn't get the act. That's the thing with this cinematic universe thing. Well, we couldn't get that actor, so all of the stuff that happened in like that other movie just doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, again, anymore. Iron Man three might as well not have happened, which is a shame yeah. because that's mm. definitely one of the better Marvel movies. Um, but yeah, this this lady uh, waylays Tony Stark and is like, yeah, my son died. Uh, because of you, you guys' negligence in uh, Sokovia, like a building crashed down on him, which on the one hand, I'm like, lady, what was the alternative? Let Sokovia crash down to Earth like a meteor and kill everyone? And technically, technically speaking, actually, I was going to say, technically mm. speaking, Tony didn't murder your son. Ultron did, but I yeah. momentarily forgot that Tony stupidly created Ultron. If, so technically, if, he if did. People were, <laughs> if people were mad at him specifically for making Ultron, this would make way more sense. But they're just mad at him for like not saving every single person when an entire city was lifted. That's 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 one of my biggest frustrations with this movie and with with every attempt. In like this and like the uh, Batman v Superman to to be like well, superheroes and the burden of power and do they really have the right to blah blah blah? It's like and, and because these characters are superheroes because they have to be superheroes they have to be marketable brands they have to be relatable and 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 morally acceptable all the time they can never fuck up bad mm-hmm. enough to justify any of these these plot points which means that it's explicit in every single one of these movies. That whatever collateral damage there is, is unavoidable and far, far, far better than whatever would have happened if they didn't get involved. Which means all of these complaints, all of these, oh, my son was under that building that fell down, all ring totally hollow and are bullshit within the context of the movie. Which makes any attempt at like, oh, moral ambiguity or whatever. I mean, I agree um, that self-defeating and pointless. It's it's a hollow point to make. If you look at it in the grand scheme of like the MCU, the MCU has to sort of like have superhero action. But I do like that moment simply because it's just like an ordinary lady just telling a billionaire, you're a piece of shit, mate. You know, like I, I appreciate the scene just on that fundamental level. Um, but it, it kind yeah. of. But it kind of like. Um, okay, yeah. I introduces can, I can the sort of like the Hancock um, criticism of like superhero stories, the idea that, um, you know, like if the superheroes were real, um, they would cause more damage than like help people. Yeah, the Watchmen angle Um, kind of. Yeah. Except they don't. Explicitly within these these movies, they they Mm. don't. It's always better if they help. They just, they can never fuck up bad enough to justify telling that kind of story it'd be interesting if they could but we can never let them get to that point because it it impairs their function as brands um um actually i'm just gonna i'm gonna insert really quickly right here because i i i thanks to my new job i have access to troves of research so i was able to pick up um uh this is a recent book that was written um called superheroes movies and the state and how the u.s government shapes cinematic universes and that's by a uh, Trisha Jenkins and Tom Secker, uh, available at uh, your local library or bookstore. 
Um, and and they they did it. There's like an, a section on Civil War where they actually argue in its favor of it being, you know, more com- relative to the other Marvel movies being like a, you know, you know, more subversive and like anti-institutionalist just by virtue of Captain America. Captain America's right, people. Come on. Uh, but they, I guess, so this is, it's an adaption of the Civil War storyline in uh, the comics, but uh, I'm just going to read from them directly. Uh, Captain America Civil War continues the subversive thread of its predecessor, that I disagree with, uh, basing its plotline on the 2006-2007 Civil War storyline from Marvel Comics, which features a group of young superheroes trying to increase their fame while battling a group of villains in Stanford, Connecticut during the filming of a reality TV show. The battle accidentally leads to the death of 600 people, including nearby school children, when the character Nitro explodes. The Stanford incident thus turns public opinion against the new superheroes and causes the government to pass the Superhero Registration Act. Uh, Yeah, so in the... In the comics, they actually fucking kill kids. Yeah, I can see why they didn't put that in the Disney movie. Which uh, uh, they were not going to do. They were not going to do that. They were yeah, not yeah, going to do that in the Disney never. movie. And it's and it's an American. All, all those, all of those, those hapless Balkan Slavs falling from the sky. Nobody gives a shit about except as just like footage in the background. Oh, but one Amer- one, Amer- and he was there doing like. Fucking houses. human aid yeah. shit, like yeah, like one humanity. moral paragon, nice middle class American boy died, and that's really fucking a knife to the gut. Uh, mm. But um, I would say one more thing about that scene of like the woman confronting Stark, and I think one of the reasons why I think that works is because I I think I've discussed this with you, Nicole, before recording was the idea that. Um, Tony Stark's sense of duty and where he sort of like derives his own morality from is from a sense of guilt. And I think that scene is a nice way to just sort of like remind the audience and come up with a new angle for how his um, his actions are driven by a sense of guilt. I mean, ultimately, that sort of morality has been proven to be destructive. Um, you know, like he... Yeah created Ultron as a defense network that kind of blew up in his face. He just so he's already learn. like kind of like morally compromised yeah. twice over by this point. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's it's almost like we just keep <laughs> doing the same character arc with him over and over and over again. Tony uh, just needs to go to fucking therapy. That's the problem with if that's the problem with you men. You guys, you just, just don't talk about your feelings. You don't go to therapy. You just invent uh, James Spader as a sneaker robot and, you know, push all the blame off to, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I, I absolutely relent that they, like, which was the beautiful, the thing we liked about Iron Man 3 was, like, it felt like a closing of that arc. Mm. Uh, but no, to the the Marvel Cinematic Universe has to continue no, thus far yeah, because Tony two movies don't just doing the same thing well apparently robert donnie jr oh yeah uh, he expanded his role in this movie which was originally this was originally this it might be this might be a good point to talk about this this or this movie was originally going to actually be a captain america movie where it was where it was the main thing was him and bucky yeah and 
following through on on the Winter Soldier, so mm. it's like you know, like the the lack of Winter Soldier and the Winter Soldier is one of its problems, and that would have been a much better movie. Oh, like like yeah. straight no, up. No, I like, agree. I, um, but then Kevin Feige comes in. And he just walks in, like literally, he just walks into the writing room and with says, his, "Civil War," with and his leaves. Stupid hat on. Um, and then Robert Downey, and, and then now it becomes Avengers two point five, and it and 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 all this crap is piled on top of it. And, and Robert Downey Jr. is is making this movie more and more about him, apparently. And how and how much money did he end up getting for? Hold on, it's uh, we're we're also relying forty million. On, it's for hold on. So we're 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 also. Going back to our uh, the how the MCU was made by our boy Adam Shitwood. Uh, hold on, let me find the because it, it it is forty million. Yes, eventually a deal was reached that reportedly saw Downey earning forty million plus back end participation on Captain America: Civil War, in addition to an added payout if Civil War outperformed the Winter Soldier at the box office, which it did. Uh, so he, uh, wait, let's put that how let's put that in RoboCop. Uh, measurements that that adjusted for inflation that is, is that? <laughs> more than one that is like 1.2 robocops that's you you can make two robocops with with that um and i i oh that's that's just the 40 mil with the back end and the payout yeah, yeah. that's probably like a two but two 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 robocops worth of money right there <laughs> yeah that's um, well there we, there we go we got our uh, legally required robocop reference into our episode um well, I think that's that's a good standard unit of measurement for like genre action films. Is how many how many RoboCops could you make for this budget? I mean, because Ro- RoboCop uh, is still the still still the goat, still the one goat. Of the best to ever do. And RoboCop costs twice as much as the first Terminator. I, I yeah. hope you guys like bring the RoboCop measurement um, to discussions of like economic policy. Like the national deficit is five hundred thousand RoboCops or something stupid. <laughs> yeah, this is. No, oh, we should, an, F, yeah. an, F, an F-35A <laughs> costs, like, almost as much as one of these movies. Uh, the carrier-capable C variant <laughs> costs about as much as one of these movies. Um, it's a $200 million-odd-dollar fucking mm. airplane that can't fly in the rain. Okay, so I, uh, moving on, uh, I th- I'm just going by sort of the progression of my notes. Uh, I think there, there's a scene with uh, 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 King Chaka. <laughs> the leader of Wakanda. Yeah. Uh he's I, I just wrote this in my notes. He says and I guess this is this like the sort of thing they're establishing with uh uh Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther, T'Challa. Uh he's he's next in line for the throne. Um and I T'Chaka has had a very isolationist approach to leading Wakanda for, for very good reasons, which the history will tell us, considering how uh, how awfully the West has exploited African nations for their uh, resources at the expense of their civilians and people. Um, uh, he says he says victory at the expense of the innocent is no victory at all, which is his, his reason for supporting the uh, accords, you know, not just because of, you know, the depth of uh, several what kind of missionaries? Uh, one thing I thought about because he has he has this ring, and it's like T'Challa takes the ring after he gets blowed up in the UN. Uh, is that is that ring supposed to 
power the Black Panther suit? And is the implication that he was, it is the implication no. he was running around the Black Panther suit because he's like 70 ass years old. <laughs> no, 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 no. He, they say that the role of Black Panther is a separate role. And okay, now that his father is dead, he is now king and the Black Panther. Okay. Um, so there's, it's just a, this is a thing. This is a, 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 a world building cinema sin. How does a country that does not trade with the rest of the planet, that's like the size of Lesotho, develop the economies of scale necessary for an advanced industrial economy? Because, because it's a secret. Because, because uh, meteorite mineral that is the strongest thing on Earth. Just, just, just go with that, it. Just go with that, it. That 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 would require like a complete like planned economy though. Just saying, like, and I I don't Te- know if we're ever giving the indication that Wakanda has a planned economy. We'll 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 Afrofuturism. There is a black man on a hovercraft. This is progressive <laughs> media. I uh, know what. No one's on a hovercraft yet. Hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll that's we'll save. We'll see. I think we should save. A lot I haven't of the seen black, black Panther. Yeah, we should save a lot of the Black Panther stuff for when we actually get to that. Um, because more importantly, the next scene. Um, I, I will say, I see why people really like Chadwick Boseman, though. In in like the two scenes he gets to do any acting in this movie, like I yeah, really- he, he yeah he was a real you know R R I P to a real one. Um, it was Des- deserved better. Yeah, he got like uh, I, I remember people were joking like, "Oh, he's sick of doing the Wakanda forever shit." And then you know, after he died, people were like, "Oh no, he wasn't doing that because he was going through chemotherapy." <laughs> uh, so everyone felt like a real asshole. But yeah, no, I think for for what relatively little screen time he has, and you know, compared to I think another movie, I think he has more. He he definitely has more screen time than like uh, Thor did in Avengers two. I think, um, but yeah, he that was that was a loss. Um, you know, we're we're dedicating this episode to the memory of Chadwick Boseman uh, and Aaron Carter and and Aaron Carter. Uh, next, next two 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 equally uh, outstanding talents cut down in their prime. <laughs> uh, harsh. Uh, the next um, thing I wrote was, yeah, yes, Kathy. Oh no, I just said harsh. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the next thing I wrote was tight shirt, nice guns, make a girl go woo woo. And that's referencing Chris Evans in the light blue thermal. <laughs> in the, oh, in his Under Armour, yeah. The Under Armour. Sh- oh, anytime, anytime Chris Evans gets to wear like tight Under Armour, like as as much as that's like a Boston guy sort of thing he's wearing, like, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm like, the first lens is Jesus. valid. It's, it's, it's valid. It's valid. The uh, those those tight blue shirts they they love Chris Evans's arms. Mm-hmm. He he looks delicious. Uh, <laughs> Stu's like Stu's like looking out the window. <laughs> I just I just have women to talking. Add. Just like, women I get talking it. He's, at him. Uh, I I just. Look, it's just I, I just you know you just you, you hear about how hot a guy like that is, and it's just like I'm just I'm never gonna look <laughs> like that. Like, Even though I tried, there's just no point in living. It's like well, to like a fraction of female beauty standards. I mean, it's it's not. I, I should I should clarify. It's not just that Chris Evans or or Steve Rogers is hot. What what makes 
What makes him I, very I'm, attractive I'm, to me? I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. You don't have to. <laughs> okay. Well, well, now that I've started on this road, what? And I, I do want to. I think this is this is important uh, relative to the like plot of the movie is like, you know, Steve doesn't like even though he's Captain America, and you know, on paper, you know, a figure that's standing for the United States of America, like any good leftist, I would be balking at and being like, you know, fuck that. That's propaganda shit. But the the reason Steve Rogers and Captain America is like I have such a soft spot for him is that Steve's loyalties actually don't lie with any nation. It they lie with the people he loves. And he's like he he's we've discussed this in the first Avengers episode, but he's he's have he has this un relatively unwavering moral compass you know he he he's very guided by his heart he just he just wants to do the right thing and fortunately most of the time that proves to be actually the right thing to do um you know in contrast to like like it, uh steve is like the gallant to tony stark's goofus like tony stark just keeps you know fucking up you know because he's there's something like um this would leave it into a whole discussion but like being guided by that sense of guilt and not really like he keeps trying to avoid confronting it through different means whereas you know steve wants to like when it comes especially when it comes to bucky like he wants to confront that head on Mm. um and that's you're you're really making me wish this was like i know i know as well written as As i'm making it out to be i know i know because it's like those are interesting dynamics. Like I can see why they're appealing. If if I could just parse them out from the the actually existing movies that we get. Like if this wasn't Civil War, if it was just if it was just Captain America defending his um, heterosexual life partner from just Tony Stark and like a couple other major guys. And it was like that conflict without all the other bullshit piled on top. And it was like, you know, competently yeah. written and the or better written. And like the action wasn't, you know, if it didn't have the, the obligations of being an MCU movie, burying all the humanity in it like that, I would be interested in that. I would find that like reasonably compelling. And that's one of my frustrations with like this movie. And most of these movies is like the, the the glimmers of like compelling stuff you get are are like a little blade of grass growing up in a crack in the concrete of a, a massive and arid Walmart parking lot of a film. <laughs> but I think that like blade of grass like is really sort of um I think like people really latch on to that. Uh, blade of grass otherwise we wouldn't be talking about these uh films um so much even if we have problems with um how they're executed how they're written how they're produced what kind of um political messages they have i think ultimately and i think this is one of the reasons why uh me and nicole kind of uh like this one a bit more than the others is because it really um goes into the character stuff, which is what I think uh, fans and even, you know, sort of casual fans um, 
really sort of um, take away from these movies, really sort of like feed off of, is um, the character dynamics. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, it's this. It's the soap opera you, of it. And you know what? On that on that note, because I I think we should discuss something we we all all three of us I know universally can say we hate about this movie, oh, and that's uh, the forced uh, Steve Sharon romance. Um. Okay, here okay, dude, here's the thing that doesn't even make sense before we even get into the, yes. the thing. So Sharon is like, how mm. old is she? Like like our age? Like, like yeah, maybe like 30, early 30s. 28. Right. Yeah, Late 28, 20s. 30, 32. Peggy's like a hundred years old. <laughs> yeah. H- how are they and like does Peggy have a sister that's fifty years younger than she's probably a great niece. She's probably her like great. They just didn't I, say. I it, guess, yeah. yeah, but that's because they just say exists. niece. That makes me think like, yeah, there's like, like <laughs> Peggy's older than my grandparents. Like if if you can if you if you're an adult during World War II, you are unspeakably ancient, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's like a great 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 niece. Yeah. It's like I was so inspired by my aunt who I like met at two family reunions over the course of my entire life. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Wait, that's who, a, that's a thing too. Um, so, so Peggy dies. Uh, and I guess we're assuming that it's, yeah, I guess we're assuming that it's supposed to be Nick Fury who texts Steve in the middle of this meeting about the Sokovia Accords, like just the, the worst time possible. And he just texts just, her. Yeah. Who to text someone that the love of their life is gone from an unsaved number. Like that's that's well, a call about. Steve, Steve is a very very old man. He's yeah, kind of functionally. Yeah, Steve uh, he's he, like he, a he's jitterbug. Subs- he's subscribed to like a service that just texts you whenever someone you know <laughs> dies because everyone he knows from the day is dead or dying. Uh, okay, it's so- it's, it's it's like deathalert.com it's like something they advertise at 10 p.m. on the TV, <laughs> and it's like. Wilfred Brimley comes out. It's like, you know, as I get older in life, <laughs> I start to lose track of more and more of my friends and family. Oh my God. You know, my memory's not what it used to be. And that's why I subscribe to Death Alert, the service that will send me a little message on this here mobile doodad wireless telephone, and it will tell me when my old friends, comrades, yeah. Actors and various films I've made have passed on and let me know about their funeral arrangements <laughs> for just ten dollars a month, nine ninety nine. Call for your free meter and ADA offer. Call one eight hundred eight one two. No, it's a it's a scam for old people. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, I I do want to talk about the funeral scene because well, first of all, uh, I I definitely want to point out and giving mm. props to Chris Evans for his acting ability. Steve was definitely fucking bawling just before he had to like be the pallbearer. Like there's a shot, there's mm. like a medium close up on his face. It is like his face looks all puffy and his eyes like he looks like he has just been he had just cried. Uh which, you know, I would if I had lost a girl mm. as, you know, a, a dime like Peggy, even though she was a hundred and fifty years innings. old, I would cry my eyes out. Um but the, the she, she she did live a very long full life. She did. Um, but the thing I want to point out about this scene is that the uh, the monologue that's the speech, the Sharon's girl boss speech that she delivers um, uh, 
you know, at the at the funeral. Uh, first of all, it would have been better delivered by Haley Atwell just by virtue of a British accent. Um, cause it's, I, I think that's, that's a monologue from like directly lifted from the comics. I want to say from a, either Captain America says that at some point is like, and that's taken as like, you know, you know, plant yourself like a tree and, you know, don't waver compromise like that. That's like a, like one of those moments that's supposed to be, uh, you know, this, this Just these are his ethics and whatnot, but good God, a- Emily Van Camp is just like, just like a wet paper towel to me yeah she's a non-entity what, what was she famous she's for? so bland she was only on that show revenge and i honestly i think this this movie might be like the last time we actually see sharon she like you know i i don't think she shows up at all in infinity war or endgame it would be really awkward if she showed up in endgame because uh yeah spo- uh i mean i've already spoiled this but because steve does go back in time to live out the rest of his life with peggy and depending on how you interpret how like the time like mechanics of time travel go because i guess there's some debate uh because like in the winter soldier there's that interview with older peggy where she's you know she's talking about her husband and people are like is she actually talking about steve or is she actually talking about like they set up a another sort of love interest for her in agent carter uh it was like a guy kind of similar to steve he was like you know injured in like the war or something um so depending on how you take that and that and if if steve is if the steve that if or if peggy if the husband peggy was talking about in that little interview that's featured in the winter soldier if that is steve then steve just made out with his like great great niece and that's mm. fucking disgusting well, I can't, no and it can't be she must have remarried it, but still i think that's I mean, also that, just it is it is still a little weird it is yeah. a little weird it's very weird. Yeah. I mean, it's we're, very uh, weird. we're currently speaking from a post House of the Dragon world. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, but I mean, so like, I feel like audiences. <laughs> it kind of disgusts me to say this, but like, it it seems like audiences seem to be like a lot more forgiving of like, sort of like quasi incestuous stuff, like incest but not really type storylines. Hey, incest is no big deal. That's not even a Game of Thrones thing. Like, like we go all the way back to Flowers in the Attic. Like that was like every Gen X young boomer middle school girl was. You, you guys don't want to know how many movies I've watched this year where like incest was the twist. Like, no. I haven't intended for that to be so, and yet it is. No, but that that that's that's like pulp romance soap opera stuff. That's there's always been like incest and a lot of that stuff. That's a it's it's a it's a it's a titillating little taboo, but I, yeah, I don't think that's what they're going for. That what's weird is I don't think that's what they're going for here. It's a uh, it's just uh like they they did. But even in even in 2016, even like when that was like when I was like really enamored with Civil War. Even then, I thought the whole Peggy's niece like subplot and Captain America like you know, snogging her face off. Like, that was terrible. It did, like, it didn't, like, what, what, like, what was the need that was, there wasn't even any chemistry between the two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's also just not developed at all. Well, and here's, here's the thing, and I think this is also something we can agree with. The re, as I mentioned in my summary, the only reason that, like, 
pathetic non-romance force thing is in there is because the like steve's emotional investment in this movie lies completely with bucky the whole purpose of that romance is a a no homo moment yeah oh totally yeah that's 100 percent it's completely you know uh uh it's it's you know it's like nope we can't have a gay or a bi steve which you know like it's and it's like aside you know putting aside the whole like you know niece thing it's just again like she's such a non-character who doesn't do anything she's just kind of like her whole you can cut out of the whole movie yeah make a little room for like other things her whole her whole movie like it, it ends when she kisses steve and like and i think it's very interesting how that scene plays out because you have like you know uh bucky and uh sam in the little, little like jalopy jeep that they stole um and sharon's you know passing off some information because she's uh she's working for the cia you know going against orders you know supplying them with information so presumably she's going to be out of a job real soon um but the fact that 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 kiss happens right in front of bucky like i he must have been crushed i but not even that but i i just think like i feel like that was like compared to like like i i know we talked about you know no one mm. sat down in marvel studios for the development of winter soldier and saying like we're gonna fucking queer bait but like that felt like such a pointed moment where it was just like like i don't i like almost like a fuck you to fans it was just just the the, the word i would use for that scene and just for the whole steve sharon thing it's just disrespect it's disrespectful to uh you know Peggy, it's disrespectful to like Steve as a character because it, it also feels really out of character for him. Like he's like Peggy's not even cold in the ground. Oh yet. no, that's that's yeah, that's totally like a studio mandated like yeah. Captain America is not a homosexual. Uh we need to make that explicit. Uh just in case. We don't we don't want any embarrassing memes on the <laughs> internet undercutting our very like are very compelling, well-written drama. You know, we don't want uh, uh, that. Actually, that's a a, a total tangent. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not like normally that one to jump to that kind of like, oh, it's it's this or that or whatever. You know, sometimes characters are just heterosexual because they're written by heterosexuals, or not even. But but this is definitely like it's so devoid of any other context and it's like this, this is the only possible reason they squeeze that into this fucking movie um or sexuals or not even but but this is definitely like it's so devoid of any other context and it's like this, this is the only possible uh, so, reason they like bucky and movie. falcon are in like the uh, back of the car and they see like uh chris evans like sucking face and they kind of do that whole guy thing of like it's, yeah, bro. Getting it's um, it's it's so disgusting. Thank you, Sherry. That was late. Damn right. You get that pussy. Get that pussy. Yeah, I think I think Anthony Mackie makes like uh like the like a like the face like the 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 character in a fucking uh samurai cop. The, the 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 black sidekick 
who's just like they they keep cutting to him when he's doing like he's make quipping with the nurse. Oh, Miguel, play that play that legendary clip from Samurai Cop. Hello. Hi. How is he? Do you think he'd be able to ask a few questions? No way. His lips are burned. So what? He'll never be able to talk again? Oh, he'll talk again, but you just have to give him a couple of weeks. Next time, guys, catch him in one piece. Thanks, nurse. Do you like what you see? I love what I see. Would you like to touch what you see? Yes. Yes, I would. Would you like to go out with me? Uh, yes, I would. Would you like to fuck me? Bingo. That is that is what he is in this movie, though. Is he is the he, he and yeah. it really honestly in Civil War, he's he's just blacked in a blacked in a He's just Captain America's <laughs> Captain America's cool black friend who who jokes and riffs at his just totally lo- like like he has no specific motivation in this movie aside from he's just Steve best friend. friends with Captain yeah. America and will do whatever he does. Well, I mean, which on um, the one hand, no, I think no, no a- exactly because like there yeah. is the whole veteran angle. And yeah. former soldier angle, yeah. which I think adds a bit of depth to it. Yeah, I, I guess, but it's like again, like we we can uh, other movies with more substance. I'd be willing to like give them the benefit of the mm. doubt and root around for implicit and subtextual character motivations. With these movies, I'm not so inclined to. Mm. I'm just kind of like that's if it's fair. not in the text. Um, that's that's totally fair but yeah i i would also agree like with kathy in the sense that they just by virtue of having been in the army like they have a they have a shared experience that they can like bond over and i also think it's like a testament to like steve's character that you know sam like would unquestionably be like oh no dude i am on your side uh but like in a, in a less crowded movie you could maybe yeah, have yeah. like have them discuss like what they're doing and why yeah why why am i why am i loyal to your i just i don't think they bothered i mean well look at like you know we get to the airport fight they just pull ant-man out of a van it's like (laughs) ant-man's here yes okay um, they, they just pull him out of a van. How did, and how did say, he get to like Germany? One throwaway line about how, like, well, I, know I was in jail once, so I, I guess I don't like the authorities. It's like, oh, just like they just, like, I mean, I, I kind of feel for the writers because they just kept like, they didn't know what movie they were making until mm-hmm. the last minute because they didn't know what the producers wanted or which actors they had or didn't have. Like they had a whole version of this movie without mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. plan. So it's like, of course, they're phoning this stuff in because it's like you don't have time to write a proper movie. And even if you did, like, how do you juggle this stuff? Like, I don't even really blame them. This is like, I don't like I don't think I think the best writer in the world couldn't make a good movie out of this mm. set of requirements and circumstances. Yeah. Um, and I can say that with authority as the best writer. In the world. <laughs> <laughs> um. I could not write a good Captain America Civil War movie, not as Kevin Feige would demand it. Yeah. Um, so then, just for sake of continuity, there's, yeah, the. Uh, I'm a humble man, I'll admit that. Uh, yeah, the UN gets blowed up. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our introduction to Black Panther, uh, who, oh no, he's a CGI guy, I guess. Uh, well, again, I can't really just presume, I don't know what the timeline of Chadwick Boseman's like, health 
was by this mm. point. But yeah, it, for th- the majority of the scenes where he's like the Black Panther, he's a CGI guy. It's yeah, like yeah, he they didn't want to wear the suit. Put their so suits I don't, I don't know. Um, one thing I do want to note is uh, in a in a what I'd like to think is an homage to the uh, 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 the Pune. 1990 Captain America uh, during the, uh, you know, the, the Black Panther and Captain America are chasing after Bucky. You know, uh, Steve wants to bring, be the one to bring Bucky in because um, he's like, dude, you know me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm the least likely to die bringing him in. You know, I can get through to him. Whereas, you know, Black Panther, he's under the presumption that it was uh, Bucky who set off the bomb at the UN and killed his father. So he's like just motivated by yeah, his revenge. motivation is also dead parents. And then What's the twist it, at a, the it's end still is a that clear motivation. It is a but, clear motivation. But it's funny that's like his motivation through the movie is this guy killed my parents. And then the twist is that he didn't kill my parent, but he did kill yeah. our parents. <laughs> I don't know if it's true. <laughs> like, but, uh, there's like a- we're, we're all Batman. We're all just like dead parents is the only thing that really revs anyone's engine, mm. I guess. Um. Yeah. Any, anyways, uh, there's a moment where Steve steals a cop car. <laughs> he, he stole a car and he didn't do, he it's like, pull over. I'm going to be sick. And just steals Ned Beatty's car. Um, Wait, yeah. Ned Beatty isn't? I yeah. I, I, I haven't seen like yeah, the, Ned Beatty's the best it. of the worst on that in a really long time. I I, we we have to watch that at some at some point because I, I was crying laughing looking at like that scenes. That would be. From that, that, would, that might be a good bonus. Yeah, that would be a good. Do. Yeah. Um, uh, just because there's so much to get through. Uh, there's uh, there's also a developing romance between Wanda and Vision, which Wanda's supposed to be in like her early mid mm. twenties. Like she it's, prefers to her as a kid, and like Vision's like it's, a it's forty year old. He's a man? computer though. I don't. I well, don't know. He, in a way, he's yeah, only yeah. like a toddler, though, because they <laughs> but, they only made him like two years ago. Yeah, but uh, here's the thing: that's discourse. like Woo. it's it's a cute. It could be a cute relationship, but again, it gets so little time yeah. to be developed, and then the motivation kind of thin. He's like, "Well, you know, I am weird product of Infinity Stone magic, and you're a weird product mm. of Infinity Stone magic. You've got so much in common. What's going on, baby?" And and meanwhile, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out because I can't. Imagine why he'd have one. Does Vision have a penis? Oh my god, you are obsessed with this. But uh, he has a he, he gets married and has a wife. What? The, what? He, the, he, he has vision, a libidinal he can, impulse. Presumably, he can create. He's got a USB a, stick. Create something. I don't know what his powers actually are. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's for, for the record. They don't really. They don't. Explain what, what his powers mm. are, nor like Wanda's. I mean, like it's 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 yeah, one of those they, things they're, that like they're both like very magic. unclear what exactly it is they do. Yeah, or, they yeah yeah. Kathy, they they wave yeah, their hands I mean, around and CGI group comes out. Which like yeah. I'm not saying I I need uh, like mm. perfect. Uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, like explanation of exactly how it works, but it's like very vague. I mean, one of the problems I have with uh, the cast getting like larger and larger, yeah, um, is you get like your cool guys, and then you have like just guys like Wanda, just like waving her arms around. You have like Falcon, who's just a guy with some metal wings. Yeah, <laughs> Bucky, who's just like a guy with an assault rifle. So when watching like Civil War. When Black Panther comes in, it's like, oh, this is a superhero. This is a guy because he's got a costume. And I 
really like the way that um that first action scene with him kind of like very sort of like through like very sort of like quick shorthand establishes what his deal is like a helicopter shot him oh the armor's made of vibranium so it like deflects the bullets the vibranium oh, cool, suit, he's yeah. got claws so that was kind of like thrilling that was like the first action scene that i kind of like was really invested in in this film it was like we've got a new guy and he's an actual superhero it's not just a guy with cgi wings wow kitty got claws but yeah like like falcon like he's he's just a guy with like one tenth of an iron man suit (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh black widow is still in the avengers she has no superpowers but she is sterile i was gonna say like scarlet witch oh sorry not wanda sorry She's kind of like the intern of the Avengers. She's kind of like in her cousin Greg phase, where she's like, <laughs> yeah, we new don't have to the race Scarlet like, Witch yet. Twisted, difun- dysfunctional family dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I now I just like, I I just am envisioning like a nightmarish plot, like Succession. MCU crossover in my head that could either be like the greatest or the worst thing ever. Well, 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 no, actually, Brian Cox has already. Yeah, he's an X two appeared in the Marvel universe now that the X Men has was... been folded into it. He was uh, he was the bad guy in X Men too. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Um, but to be yeah, honest, so I anyway. would like to see Jeremy Strong in a Captain America. Outfit. Oh my god! Be like. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So the next thing that, that happens, uh, they bring, yeah, they bring Bucky in and we get introduced to our, uh, he'll, he'll be a topic of more discussion when we get to Black Panther, but it's, uh, it's Martin Freeman, everybody. It's, uh, uh, Bilbo. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, John. It's, it's the, the, the guy from British office. It's, yeah. It's Martin Freeman. He is a uh, CIA. Arthur Dent in the not great but not terrible Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie. Yeah. Um, Arguably which, the inventor uh, of the Jim Halpert stare. <laughs> he is responsible for, for the Jim Halpert stare, actually. What, you're right. Yeah. Actually, I really like him. I, I think he's a, he's a really good actor. Um, yeah. I, I wonder if they'll contrive some Sherlock fan service because oh him God. and, and uh, yeah. Benedict uh, Cumberbatch are both in this cinematic oh, universe. Oh no! Well, I, I I think chronologically, I think Doctor Strange and also both in the Hobbit. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think Doctor yeah. Strange is next, and I've actually never seen Doctor Strange. So I've never we're, seen it either. yeah, we're, we're gonna have to have home, a whole, Homecoming. Spider Man Homecoming is the last one of these I've seen. Yeah, we're gonna have to have a whole Benedict uh, Cabbage Patch conversation <laughs> with that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we got this is uh, Helmet Zemo, which Daniel is it Brule? Brule? I think it's Brule, yeah. Dr. Steve Brule. Dr. Steve Brule is the psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> just, just use an anti electricity blackout bomb, dummy, for your health. <laughs> Yeah, so this, like, I, I'm getting a bit more nitpicky here, but yeah, I guess the helmet, he... Okay, here's the thing, like, he would have gotten away with it if he had just done a better job of hiding the body of the actual psychiatrist who was supposed to be interrogating 
Bucky instead of just fucking leaving him in a bathtub in like a German hotel. Like that's and that's like, literally the discovery of that hmm. guy's body is literally what undoes his whole plot and and reveals that. Yeah, well, no, no, his plot his plot comes together. I mean, it does, but it, it reveal like for for Tony, it's like uh, Tony fucked up, dumbass. Of course he did. Yeah, but like, uh, I mean, but, his plan is kind of just an elaborate uh, suicide plan. Uh, not wanting to discussing, but like the last step of his plan is he tries. It's a yeah. I spoiled it at the beginning. He's, he's, he's just, he's just trying to. Yeah, he's just, he's, just, he's going to get the Avengers to kill each other, and then he's going to blow his brains he, out. And you know what? I will say his his motivations compared to because he's like Lex Luthor and Batman v Superman. Um, for, first of all, Daniel Brühl, much much better fucking actor <laughs> than dude, just running like again jesse eisenberg needs to atone for his his uh cinema crimes um but he yeah he does the lex Luthor thing way better and way more coherently uh than you know the lex Luthor and batman v superman um but yeah that's i mean I don't, I, he just i guess to quote him he just wants to see an empire fall which is just i'm just gonna make them fight let them fight the empire is the avengers um, but the, the Empire is just the Avengers. It's not the Empire. Yeah, but it's also again, it's one of those things. It's like you saved a million people, but you didn't save the million in first person, which was my kid. Which, yeah. like, you know, I mean, pretty sad, but it's also like it's such a thin basis for vengeance. Like, have these characters. Do something worse. Have them fuck up hard enough that I actually believe anybody has it out for them. Like these people all just like their complaints are so because the characters are have to be so more or less unambiguously for the better that everybody just sounds like everyone who has it out for them just sounds like they're they're sending their fucking salad back. Because there's too much dressing on it at the fucking restaurant, man. And actually, you know what? Since since we are on the topic of uh, Zemo, uh, and this is mm. something I, I will agree in terms of like where the plot gets like really sloppy is yeah. like this this introduction of this Hydra Death Squad that they had four mm. Winter Soldiers that are in like Hierophreeze. It's basically a MacGuffin that just gets us to the last. It's a red hair. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, a complete red. Hair. Um. They're just more men in jars. You got a lot of men in jars in these movies. They're just oh, there's a lady. Like, that's how there's the movie ends. It's like that's how the movie ends. It's like, well, uh, we did the Winter Soldier. Uh, we're we're just gonna put him in a jar until we can think of something else to do with him until he gets a TV show in five years. Um, we just put him in a jar. We just put him in a jar until we get him again. Put the action figure back on the shelf. So I'm kind of in two minds about the Zemo. <laughs> Zima, yeah, the drinks. I'm, Zima, so, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit. I'm in two minds on the Exma character. Um, he's uh, on the one hand, I think like that character is like another one in a long line of forgettable villains. Um, like, and pretty much all of his like plan is just to kind of move the mechanics of the plot in order to 
engineer that final confrontation between Iron Man, Bucky, and Captain America. At the same time, though, maybe it's just because I like him as an actor, but I feel like Daniel Brühl like gave more than was warranted for this character. Like, the way he sort of um, delivered did at least I kind of did sort of like feel a sympathy for him, even if like the actual content of the writing was trite. Yeah, he's a plot device. It, yeah. Yeah, he's like yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah, he's a good. He was a good actor. He was a good, and that's like a lot of these movies too. Is they they have really great casts for the villains, and then give them way too little and low quality material. See also Avengers too. <laughs> Poor fucking yeah, um, but like yeah, because they, they they're showing scenes of him like at the beginning. We don't understand why he's doing it. He's you know listening to these voicemails from people on his phone, and you know when we get to the end, we, you know understand his motivations. Like oh, those are the last voicemails. He's like child mother and father and like wife i i don't remember but like yeah that's like the last thing like that's his his last like way of like that's that's meaningful you know um i i as far as meaningful can go in these movies um but i mean yeah there's there's really no there's no interesting marvel villain until we get to like killmonger and like kate blanchett and ragnarok but that's mainly because like kate blanchett is just like chewing the scenery and knows what fucking movie she's in and she's just serving c-u-n-t cunt as as hira uh if uh i have i have a i have a question if you're a guy can you serve cock <laughs> you know what i think it's i think it's time we talk about spider-man spider-man we need to talk about spider-man we need to talk about spider-man so we um, need to talk about spider-man he's more convincingly a dorky teenager in this it's sort of funny that he's like a restores an apple II kind of guy because that feels like more like like a 40 year old british man with autism hobby to me i mean maybe he that's, is british. that's the only types of guys that make those videos on youtube he is tom like holland is british yeah but not in the movie yeah well because and i will say compared to andrew garfield uh whose just accent was terrible like his new york uh miguel play play another clip of andrew garfield's uh Brooklyn accents. Mushroom Kingdom, here we come. Just one guy, just one Spider-Man, or woman, we don't know. For sure. Speak of accents, just as an aside, like oh, Elizabeth yeah. Olsen only remembers she's supposed to have an accent yeah, like no. every ten lines. Oh, I, yeah, see, <laughs> she, it's, sometimes it's there. It sounds vaguely Russian, and then other times she's just like, I'm, she's just talking like me. Um, can I, let me, let me just, because this, this brings us into the whole, uh, Sony Marvel Studios negotiation. So I'm going to, I'm going to rely back on the, uh, Collider article. I have a new conspiracy theory that's, uh, Disney did the Sony hack. Mm. It was corporate espionage. Mm. Mm. Well, you know what? Let me, let me read this because the, the hack really is the thing that kind of pushed this into happening. Um, so in the Collider article, uh, since 2014, after the disappointing release of The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Kevin Feige and Ike Perlmutter? That's his fucking, that's a, that's a, of course that's the name of a guy who's like, uh, the head honcho, a fucking stupid ass name. Uh, uh, him had a, had been lobbying Sony to allow them to help produce the next Spider-Man movie and to let them use the character in Captain America Civil War. 
Sony was understandably hesitant. And while Feige had a number of sit downs with Sony head Amy Pascal, not there anymore, uh, a deal had yet to be struck. Complicating matters was the fact that Perlmutter thought any deal between Marvel and Sony should benefit Marvel. Uh, fall approach and deal had not been made and by this time Sony was looking towards a Sinister Six movie as its saving grace. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 3 was announced as being delayed in favor of a Sinister Six movie Uh, but privately Sony was done with Mark Webb's version of the Web Slayer and was hoping uh, to bring the uh, Drew Goddard who did uh, Cabin Woods to do the Sinister Six. Uh, Long story short, Sinister Six never fucking happened. Um, because when Goddard delivered his first draft of the Sinister Six, hackers hit Honey, Sony. I don't know why I said Honey. Uh, releasing a bevy of <laughs> uh, really, Honey pictures. Honey pictures. Uh, releasing a bevy of private emails into the world that brought the studio to its knees. Now the public had become aware that Sony and Marvel had discussed bringing Spider-Man into the MCU, something the fans really wanted to see happen. And with the studios back against the wall, Sony reapproached Marvel about the whole co-producing idea. Uh, yeah, and so then the then the turnaround. It's a, like, real, it's a real annexation of the Sudetenland. <laughs> yeah, so let's. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just imagining as you were saying that, just a teenage Tom Holland <laughs> Tom sitting Holland. in the shadows, rubbing his hands together. Well, because that's. Now my time. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. Like, it was they had to do like they they didn't know they they didn't think they were going to be able to write Spider Man into this movie. I think in the article it says like they were operating like the draft they were going off of as the filming draft had Spider Man in it, and if you know they were told like last minute this couldn't happen, it was really gonna fuck up the production. Um, but so the, yeah, they didn't, they didn't know who was gonna be in this movie across the board except for. Chris uh, Evans, yeah, yeah. Um, but the yeah, so the the turnaround in terms of like they they got the go, and then you know that they had like it was a very short turnaround in terms of you know finding the right Peter Parker, and it, I, it came down to Asa Butterfield. I think he was the kid. Was he the kid who played Charlie? He's the Ender's Game kid. Okay, yeah, he, or, or I know him as fucking Charlie Bucket from Butterfield. That's a funny. That, that is a funny ass name. Um, and Tom Holland, and I. From what I remember, I think the thing that probably got Tom Holland the role was I think he's like an actual gymnast or an actual like he's trained in gymnastics or like acrobatics. So I think when he like he did he did like a a read with uh, Downey and Chris Evans. And I think he also he might have I might also just be making this up. But I feel like I heard he showed up to his audition like in the Spider-Man outfit and like did a backflip or something crazy like that. Um, but I, I, I mean, coming again, and yet they use a CGI double for him they do. every time he's they, in the suit. So what's the, they do, but <laughs> he, there are a couple, there are a couple moments where he's like actually in the suit, but he's, it's those, I was also thinking of homecoming, which, which has like a really bad insert shot of Spider-Man backflipping onto a car. <laughs> do a backflip. That just looks awful. Um, but yeah, let's, let's, what's everyone's opinions on Tom Holland? He's fine. I I felt like the writing for him was off. I wouldn't put that on him. Uh, we'll see when we get back to Homecoming. I think how I feel about him. Uh, his the writing for him felt off though because he's like a a genius nerd, but he talks like a little boy. Like he's fifteen. Well, you know, <laughs> I I was fifteen and I was a nerd and 
and and I had a firm grasp of vernacular. I'm, I used I'm polysyllabic and I have words. An advanced degree, and I don't have a firm grasp on English vernacular. What are you talking? Well, it's about? a humanities degree. Uh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it was oh. great there. I couldn't. Oh, help Miguel, insert a uh, gunshot. I don't have a degree. Me. I've I've I dropped out of a video game design program. No, you you made the right choice. I wasted my money. Um, yeah. Um, but I just there's something about the way he was like, well, you know, because the, they they don't have him say the famous lines. He's like, well, you know, the the bad things happen when you don't do the good things or something. Yeah, it's great like power, a weirdly, great responsibility. Yeah, but. Yeah, it was like, but it was like a, like the way he talked was like weirdly childish. But he is a child, and they, they are trying to emphasize the, uh, he is a child a lot through this movie. And I think that's a good yeah. thing. I, I also think it's good that they didn't bring up the But like a little movie. child, not like a, a bright 15 year old. Hmm. Yeah, well, I just. But I mean, like he talks like I don't know, it just I felt like a way an eight year old would say it. Like I just like he's a he's a bright I mean, fifteen year old. That's a different that's a different way of talking. As someone right? with Zoomer friends, I can attest to his Renat, his speech pattern be pretty accurate. But um Oh um Uh but yes, what Kathy? I think the other reason why it's it it worked at the time for him not to say, you know, with great power comes great responsibility is yeah, because of the proximity with the Andrew Garfield films, um, and you know, like the last uh, Tobey Maguire film came out in two thousand seven, so that was like nine years prior to Civil War. Everyone knew. Yeah. Yeah. Was- no. 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 I. I'm not saying he had to say the line. I'm just mm. saying the way he phrased it had the weird. Yeah. It just. It just felt like a like a little kid talking it was just dead it just stood out to me well, as I, weird it, in it, a way i don't it know works it works for me because like not only like and again i'm comparing this to like we're, we're still hot off of amazing spider-man which that first one is like worse than suicide side squad to me like just a boring and just mm. abysmal the second one's funny and entertaining uh but bad um and like the big complaint i have with that is like a Andrew Garfield is way too conventionally handsome to be playing a, you know, dorky Peter yeah, Parker. I mean, and B, yeah. he was like 30 he is not a teenager. at the time of filming. And he looks much older than he's... So I I, I like that they... No, he... he, yeah. he and I mean, like, even just, like, the costume design in his room, like, looked oh, God. convincing. Yeah. Like, he's wearing, he, like, he's wearing, like, a hoodie. Just, it's like a normal like a hoodie and shit. I was like, like, okay, yeah, he looks... The, the first time he like that, yeah, I think I think Tom Holland's fine. He looks I like fine. Him. I was just... I like something him. about a couple... There's a couple lines of dialogue that just... I thought, no, no, this is like a bright 15-year-old. I, I just... I feel like he would talk... Uh, not, not like... He'd necessarily be like an erudite uni I mean, grad, but like you, you might have... With Tom Holland. playing Roblox on the weekend. might be a little more articulate. I mean, you know? I don't know. But... It's, it's a... We'll we'll see when we get to homecoming, like to really render a, a verdict. But uh, now he's 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 fine. Um, he's also like not really in this movie when it comes to the actual action sequence because every second there's a Spider-Man on screen at CGI. Yeah, as far as I, can I think remember. one of the problems um, there's a couple of problems I have with Tom Holland in this film. The first is that he looks like he doesn't smell like your fifteen-year-old, your average fifteen-year-old STEM kid. <laughs> <laughs> Too clean. Like a fresh, there's, there's like a fresh baby. He, he he has the. He looks like he would smell like a newborn. 
Like I, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> yeah. But he just he just got he has like the just head holding, of a poor baby. Just holding Tom Holland and back and forth. <laughs> him him like, and the frog that he keeps in his mouth, which uh people on Tumblr won't remember. That was a meme. Um I, I don't know. I just I just like that they made Peter an actual like teenager. Like the first line of yeah, dialogue, like, he says his voice like literally cracks. Uh, it's like that. Like that's all. Yeah, I like that. He's like, act, like if they're gonna make him a teenager, he's like actually convincingly a teenager. Like that's, I, I just like uh, even like the restores old electronics thing. Like I, I could see that. I was just, I just thought it was like a funny kind of choice. But like that's actually like oh he's a, he's a fucking technical nerd. Like okay. Uh, yeah, but I just feel like there should have been a moment where when Tony Stark like walks into Peter's room, he's just like has like a oh what the fuck is that stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like check out something to like smells like then, axe. Like, and then he's got a bunch of like uh like like hentai manga he's got oh like my god bed. No, <laughs> no he's no, got he, that he's got he, that he has, he has just like crusty <laughs> socks all over <laughs> I was just about to say he has that type Oh my god. Um I feel like if you're 15 in 2016, it's got to be like hentai is your thing. Oh, right? absolutely. Hen- like that's like you're going to uh, 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 Sad Panda or something. Oh, yeah. No, he, Tom Holland goes to, or P- this Peter Parker definitely goes to like New York Comic Con and he he, own- he owns that hoodie. He probably owns that hoodie. But uh, what's, also, what's like a big, what? What's a big anime for that age group? Like oh, the time, on Attack on Titan, pillow. probably at the time, mm. definitely. Yeah, he's got a Mikasa. Was that Mikasa? He's got a Mikasa yeah, body. He's, pillow. he's got a Mikasa body pillow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Like uh, Tom Holland should be just hiding like tons of shit with his like web slinging in that scene. Just like a bunch of them. Yeah, he's he's, he's hiding his uniform. He's also, yeah, just 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 it's like degenerate teenage boy. Well, that's stuff. that's that's something. You know what? Oh, I yeah, want- why is there an attic access in his bedroom? That seems weird. Because it's just, it's the queen's apartment. It's you just you can owe that up to like shitty New York housing design. Shitty Reno. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Just because I I don't want to ever forget this because I did rewatch both Raimi's Spider Man one and two fairly recently. Uh. Wanna, I just want this on the record, but like the first Spider-Man movie, Raimi is deliberately drawing like a parallel between like the development of like Peter's like web slinging powers and like a guy coming. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. It, All over his room. It, there are come, a few yeah, shots. Like, just, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, and, and I guess in this in this iteration, they also have it be like he he's the one who developed the synthetic web like it's not because actually coming actual, from him that's i don't know that's from the comic it was never okay you know, the web but, shooting was never a, a power in the comic okay. something he invented i mean um, um, movie book made the point that um oh god yeah, <laughs> this is the, no, this is the, the dirty local secret local about movie i refuse to believe movie bob made a point no see, the, the thing is of like, the local boston uh film critic community so this is oh, kind of like embarrassing guy. but yeah um the re- I used to be like a as a teenager. I used to be like really more of a gamer than a film person. Movie Bob was like my bridge from going from gamer to film person. We we all we all had had that moment. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, we we all had had embarrassing things we watched this, as teenagers. The, the sub the subtitle of this like podcast should just be like Nicole and Stu to discuss Nicole's embarrassing previous sentences, like. <laughs> 
like, oh, oh, we're, I'm gonna make an when we do the Doctor Strange uh, episode, I'm gonna I'm gonna have something to admit as well. But we're we're gonna hold off on that because we should talk about the tarmac scene. Sh- Sh- Sherlock oh, fan fiction? No, no, no. You're very no. adamant about that. No, no. Um, let's Never. let's talk about the tarmac scene. So uh, yeah, just the, the the climactic fight scene where we just drop all of our superheroes into a big empty green screen space for them to have a big long awful stupid eyes slide right off of it fight takes place in a video game tutorial level <laughs> in an inexplicably abandoned major international airport in Berlin where there's just no people. Did I miss a throwaway line where it's like we've evacuated? Okay, I, I like, okay, I thought you were gonna. Because there, there are there's no things, people in this fucking airport. There <laughs> are there are things I like in that scene. There's nobody in that control t- t- tower, and, yeah. and they just drop it on Ant Man. This is the guys fighting for regulation, oh, yeah, stopping collateral damage, and they are just oh yeah, well like, yeah, they pull him out of yeah, the van. They pull out there. Of the van. Like literally, I wrote this like because this is happening in Germany, and so how the fuck did Scott Lang get to Germany? He was just in a van. In he was a just van. in a van. They just pulled him van. out of they the van. They put him in a van, drove him to Germany. Because, yeah, like, uh, Sam is like, <laughs> like, Sam is like, oh, we're going to need more people on our team. I know a guy. And it just, like, hard cuts to just, they open a, like, white pervert van. They and out tumbles, him out. Out, out tumbles yeah. uh, fucking Paul Rudd. And he's like, and it's just, it doesn't seem off. Does he seem off in this? Something seemed um, off about his performance no, and his. No, like, he's just know. he's just being Paul Rudd. Yeah. Maybe maybe I, it feels off weird. The I rest of the movie is so like relatively like serious and somber, and he's you know it's goofy Paul Rudd. He's like you know like hey yeah. He's coming from I can't, like I can't put my finger on what genre. it is. Just the whole yeah. Just the whole. I don't. Know, he just felt off the whole time. I couldn't put my finger on it. But yeah, but like I said, this whole like I said earlier, this whole fight scene, everybody's just like riffing and having a good time while they're fighting. It's like the Spider Man's like, "Hey, what's up?" I'm, I, I'm I a like big Spider Man's quips because it's like that. That's what annoys. It makes sense because he's like a 15 year old boy, and a 15 year old boy would be trying to sound cool during this. He's but like he's he's fighting these guys, and then is acting like the fight has no stakes or consequences. It's just like then why he just, is he here? He just oh wait, well we we also need to bring up because this is the important thing we've mentioned it before we record it's just like how how deliberate do we think or how intentional or like is there any irony on the part of the movie or satire or whatever to the fact that tony stark is the one leading the charge on this like you know registering you know superheroes like over need we need oversight we can't get civil innocent civilian kill civilians killed I'm going to recruit recruit an underage boy to fight a bunch of superheroes overseas. No, none. I, I, I just, I I'm just not know. inclined to give them credit for these things. I, I, but I genuinely don't know. I'm genuinely not sure because, like, on the one hand, it's like it's as much as like the movie kind of tries to give up both sides to you know, you know, pro or anti Sokovia Accords. You know, it's, it it's ultimately real. Steve who's the victor just by virtue of, you know, Tony was wrong. Mm. You know, <laughs> Captain America, Civil War, uh, uh, parentheses, Tony is wrong. Um, but then it's because it's it's like it's darkly funny in a way that like, you know, it, I feel like it's a it's a is it supposed to be like a like 
condemnation of Tony's character, the fact that he is, again, to go back to your point, Kathy, a man so consumed by guilt and so, like, egotistical in that he, you know, lets his guilt completely Mm. misdirect him that he's, you know, not stopping for a minute to be like, maybe this isn't a good idea. I look, I'm going to be honest. I think Kevin Feige told him to do cat gold, told him to do civil war because it was a relatively recent big crossover event. that gave an excuse to put a bunch of characters together and have them fight and get everybody hype. And everything is just stitched together to do that. um, That's it. I'm just, I'm not going to give him any, I mean, greater the airport fight to me is still like Um, probably like the best thing I've ever seen in the MCU, even if it like technically looks like mud. Um, the quips really do work <laughs> yeah. for me. Um, I just want to go back to. I I do I, I, yeah, like but I just want to go back to what you were saying, Nicole. See, I I thought they were all. I thought this was like peak soy dialogue. I was rolling my eyes. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's it. I was fair, not But I just want to go back quickly to what you were saying, Nicole, about uh, Tony Stark's character being driven by guilt. Because it, throughout this uh, conversation, I've been thinking about the Iron Man character kind of being like BoJack Horseman. In that, and I don't mean that in like. <laughs> okay, I haven't seen the Sad Source just, before show, but I, I understand that's yeah. He's a he's a he's a he's yeah, also a traumatized. I mean that right? more in the sense that Tony Stark is just like fucking up, and it's like cyclical. And what you were saying about him like recruiting a yeah. child soldier is like he's fucking up, and eventually, obviously, Peter gets snapped. By Thanos. Yeah. Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. <laughs> so it's just kind of like out of everything that like Tony Stark wants to do, that everything he wants to do right ends up making him like do even more like heinous things. Like recruiting a child to like fight yeah. a bunch of like superheroes. Yeah. You know. It's just kind of like it is it, it to be honest, it just makes him more fascinating to me. Like even if it's like buried under all the MCU junk and goo. You know, like Yeah. And and it all does like it all hangs like it's all like arguably you can say this about the whole MCU. It is all hanging mm. off the charm of Robert Downey Jr. It is completely yeah, yeah, hanging off that charm. The cast is the only thing that's ever held these movies. Yeah, I, I would agree. It is, you know, the, it is the reason why, you know, I, I don't mm-hmm. like like Thor 2 sucks. But the casting in that is is, you know, it has Loki. Okay. Loki, I would rather I would rather watch that than fucking uh, Andrew Garf- Garfield and Emma Stone like having a shitty ass CW romance, mm. and it just looks like crap. Peter Parker does not skateboard. He does not listen to fucking indie rock and Coldplay. Fuck off, Mark Webb. I'm I'm just not going to grade these movies on a curve. Okay, just because 
there's other worse movies. Just, so you're saying like sorry, the spent, is at the bottom of the cliff. I'm not going to. I'm not going. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to grade. I'm not going to give these movies method out just because other superhero the, movies are even. Worse. I'm on the like, Chris mm, Evans curve. The, these these cost two hundred million dollars to make. I expect yeah. to see two hundred million dollars worth of fucking craft and entertainment, and I don't. Yeah, like sorry. again, there is that. Like, I I feel like it's it's not as abrupt for me in terms of like when the tarmac scene gets like oh. Um, but it's it's definitely the part where like the, the kind of the majority of the fighting is stopped and it's it, it begins with that like for me in terms of like when it kind of goes off the rails where you get that that wide shot of uh Wanda and Vision and they're just like planes with like CGI plug in like Photoshop smoke coming out of them and it dead ass just looks like a shot from like a twisted pair by like Neil Green. Yeah, it, it's, it's just all green screen. I'm, Oops, all green screen. Mm. But but it's just the, the like lack of like interesting, and that's and that's the thing I keep banging on because it's like what what a comic books. What are one of the things they're good for is like dynamic when they're well drawn is dynamic composition and mm. staging. Yeah, because they're they're a sequence of still images. There is scarcely a, a compelling like image in in these movies there isn't like interesting composition or staging um you know which isn't the sum total of what movies are can do but it's like for this kind of movie it's like something you'd you'd want and instead it's it's just like the big fight it's just like we got that series like they all just run at each other in a a big concrete space they all just run at each other side by side like they're like they're gonna have a rumble with bike (laughs) chains and I mean, it's like half of these guys other. can fly. Why are they running at each other in a line like this? It's because it's, it's the trailer. It's, it's not that it's illogical. It's that it's yeah, but it's and I see. I like that's what I've seen from like the later Avengers, like Endgame and stuff. It's just lines of guys running. So it's like half these characters can fly and shoot beams from miles away. Like the the the. It's not that that it's unrealistic or illogical. It's that you have this capacity for for inventive action that is only seldom utilized mm. and done without a lot of style when it is um and like i said i just i just thought all the quipping was just pretty like like this is kind of like yeah, so- marvel soy dialogue there's a lot of that oh everybody's got a gimmick now line which is like Oh, shut up with that. Okay, no, I'm, I I'm will. aware I'm in a superhero movie bullshit. I'm so sick of that. I I'm sorry, but I do real I do really really like anthony mackie's delivery on uh well no there are two things there are two things i'm well, sure a, he's a fine actor but it I, I, make, I, miguel it play this it's the it's the part where uh bucky's like <laughs> you couldn't have done that sooner anthony mackie's like i hate you <laughs> See, i've 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 got that in my notes as a line that like drove me insane i i i laughed <laughs> um the other part where i laughed is uh uh fucking jeremy renner uh also i want to point out tom holland does not even like a uh he's not top build in the movie but jeremy renner is even though tom holland shows up in the movie sooner than jeremy renner which is hilarious but i i complained that i think his motivation for being in this movie is the worst yeah it's it's so thin but hawkeye is also just another one that just appears when the plot when the movie decides he needs to be in it um and then he's gone. Yeah, but he's he he's, goes back home. He's he's fighting. Um, yeah, Clint. He's going toe to toe with. Uh, oh yeah, uh, we're Black, not calling Black him Panda. Hawkeye anymore. We're all just calling him Clint, Clint now. Clint, whatever. All right. We haven't met yet. I'm Clint. I don't care. 
Yeah, that, okay, that's fine. Our that rest was in peace. <laughs> like that is just just that's such a great ass response. Like to anything, Jeremy Renner. I, I don't care, Jeremy. Jeremy, but, Jeremy I don't care. Um, uh, but again, it, it just I'm so tired of that. Like, hey, we're all in this ridiculous superhero crossover stuff, and we're all introducing each other to each other, and this it's like, oh my god. Uh, you know, you're 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 here to fight. I, mean, I agree with you, Stu. And, and, the, and you're not committed to the fight at all, and you don't know why you're here. I agree with you, Stu. That like the vis- visually, like it's not a good scene. I was thinking about how the first uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man was really good at sort of translating um, the comics' visual language um, to live action, but. Um, at the end of the day, I I didn't like this scene as much as I did when I saw it in the cinemas, but I yeah. think it retains like a very sort of like fundamental pleasure from uh, superhero stories, particularly like interconnected universe type stuff. Like, and it goes back to a, like a very sort of primal childhood thing, I think, because it's like you get all these characters with all these different power sets, right? And you go like. How if they if all these guys got into a fight, Smash Brothers or something? Yeah, like, yeah. How their powers play off of one another. And to be honest, I hate to sound like a thirty-five-year-old man, like trying to um, recapture his youth, but it is kind of like smashing action figures into one another again. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. And I guess it just they were not smashed together in a way that was mm. compelling enough from a character one writing, thing, uh, execution or style standpoint for me. Yeah. Like I, I'm not uh, unsusceptible to that. I just, I'm, and I think I'm just exhausted with mm. this whole style or lack of style of making movies. So I just, it just overrides whatever entertainment I'd get out of it. Otherwise, yeah. I, I think for me, it's just I have a very low threshold. Is like you know, I can put up with like shoddy CGI. I can put up with like you know shoddy shot composition. If there's like a kernel of something that I can grab onto, then I am grabbing onto that. Yes, the, and that kernel <laughs> is <Yeah>. Stucky. <laughs> it's 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 Stucky. Like I I completely forgot about like they they we it was the uh the like end credit stinger scene at the end of Ant Man where they they cut and it's uh Steve Sam uh, and they got Bucky. Uh, in this and it's it's not like an old mm. Hydra I don't know it's somewhere in Germany but I I completely forgot about uh, cue it up Miguel uh, this this line of dialogue crushed me which Bucky am I talking to your mom's name is Sarah he used to wear newspapers <laughs> can't read that in the museum fuck fuck I say fucking goddamn. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, any t- and again, to like the the better movie, the better version of this movie is one that is solely focused on the relationship between Steve and Bucky. Like this should be that should be the core of the movie. Um, like that's that all the best parts of the movie, like literally feel like a very well written fan fiction. Uh, and that's that's as someone who just read copious amount of fan fiction mm. growing up that is my i feel like that is my only excuse um that not to that and also 
Chris Evans, uh, awooga, awooga, uh, yeah. eyes popping out of my head like a Tex Avery cartoon wolf. Uh, that I, I, I just realized that, that must be something that fan fiction does is it deepens your emotional relationship and connection with the characters by giving them depth and context that doesn't actually exist in the original mm-hmm. text, but still reflects back onto it. Yeah, or even is is there in like subtext or, you know, like reading against the grain or, you know, but, but, and also but interpret like you, things by their absence as well. Yeah, but I'm just saying like you, you come to the movie with all of this context that's not actually in the material itself. It's 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 mm. it's it's reflecting back off the the fan fiction and 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 the and the ex and the fandom and the external engagement. And so, so, so it creates a warmer, more forgiving framing for the movie than would exist if you weren't engaged with that other uh, material. The same way with like you know, like childhood cartoons and stuff, right? Like, yeah. So I was just going to add on to what you were saying there, Stu, about the increasing importance of like a paratextual relationship to films. Um, I completely get that from Nicole. It made me think of the Star Wars prequels. Um, and how growing up, I really enjoyed them. Even as I got older and as a teenager, I recognized that the CGI was bad um, and the dialogue was cl- clunky. But the reason why I really yeah. um, connected with those films is because, you know, Phantom Menace came out when I was five and my mum got me a, a subscription to the Star Wars comics. So like the expanded universe. So growing up from age five to 11, which was when Revenge of the Sith came Mm -hmm. out, I was reading all these Star Wars comics, which really sort of fleshed out my understanding of the universe. And so when I see Phantom Attack of the Clones, there's like some background alien character. And suddenly I know that guy's like entire backstory. And it sort of like deepens your appreciation. And I think there is like an argument about how this can kind of um, uh, disconnect you from like more a more critical engagement with these films. But at the same time, I also think there's something quite sort of like valuable in that relationship. Yeah, because it's like, uh, to quote Winter Soldier, like, you know, or I think, or I think it's, it's mm. something Steve says is like, even when I had nothing, I had Bucky. Um, you know, the, the thing is, like, especially because, you know, in my perfect world, I, I haven't seen design for, for a living, but I, I in my perfect <laughs> world, like, Steve is in a uh, polycule <laughs> with the, the face that was making. He's in a poly, polycule with, with Peggy and Bucky, and he is, you know, living his best life, um, you know, because, like, you know, of course, Peggy is like the he. Peggy ends up being like the real end game. You know, the real end game was Steggy bitch. Uh, mm. But you know, like, uh, it, it definitely helps that I think Peggy was very well received generally. You know, and I, I there are other reasons as well. Just I think just the, the fact that it expanded upon a character that really wasn't given anything in the actual comics. Um, but like, you know, with her, with her dead, like. All of Peg, all of Steve's emotional, like psychic emotional value, is now just solely focused on Bucky. Even, even, even with this forced uh, he, sharing, he's the, he's the only feels, other man on earth 
left that he can say the old timey slurs with. Oh God. Uh, like, but even like, you know, even with this course, like, and I would be, I would be very interested in just reading like a, a queer reading or, or just like analysis of, you know, how this movie, you know, arguably unsuccessfully mm. tries to, you know, push in this heterosexual romance plot because yeah as soon as as soon as they make out sharon is gone from the fucking universe she's gone and apparently she's in that the show the mm. falcon oh she is okay but i mean as, as far as like the the marvel movies go like she's gone so and it's like it, it i think it also has to do with like so the the fact that they're both chris evans and sebastian stan are very 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 hot um, not gonna, not gonna lie. I love to see two hot guys together, uh, sh- hugging it out, um, sharing their feelings. Uh, I, I, I cut hugging it out. Okay. Um, but I, I mean, come on, like the part, like I, I, I have to give credit to the, you know, your mother's name was Sarah mm. moment. Cause I, I think Sebastian Sands line delivery was also very, he, he's good. He's good in the role. He's a, I, I like him as an actor as well um like i i think he's actually romanian so the part where he's like in oh. hiding out in romania and shopping like he he actually can speak romanian um so i i i found there was there's a lot of emotional uh there's a lot of emotional investment to be mined from their relationship and i think that's that's the thing um that that so, really pushes this movie in favor in my favor towards me um I, yeah. I, I guess that's that's the thing, and I'm not like I mean I'm, I'm I crack wise, but I'm not trying to be shitty. I know, or I know, pick I know. on either of you or, or anything, but I think that, um, and 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 I actually I feel this way about the the star and this this both the Star Wars prequels and the Star Wars recent uh, the Disney films also is that that additional context that the audience brings with them from elsewhere um both sources official or unofficial or even just the the kind of fan the, the kind of uh, 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 feedback loop that fandom uh, participation can create allows it, it, it kind of creates a support structure that the movie itself doesn't have that if, if you watch it with those things stripped away a lot of what seems to be there is there it's only coming in with the context I, I'm, I'm sorry guys I um, to uh, this is this Aww. is an alert. This is a special alert. Uh, I, I just received a photo of Ken in a Trader Joe's bag. <laughs> but I, but I think yeah. Why why I didn't really didn't like this movie is because I'm I'm not coming to it with that context. Um, also, yeah. I think I'm just like I'm slightly pathological. Uh, where if if I sense. Um, certain things coming from movies or TV shows, I'm immediately kind of turned off. Like certain mm-hmm. certain approaches mm-hmm. to uh, 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 extracting an yeah. emotional response from the audience. If I sense them, I immediately in like a in like a, a I think a, a sli- yeah a slightly pathological way. I'm just like I, I want to deny them. Yeah, movie. I want mm. to I, I want to deny the movie the uh, the 
the the satisfaction of getting me to feel the way it wants me to feel. An That's, oppositional yeah. It's like a it's like a weird assertion of autonomy. Mm. I don't know. It's a it's just it's a weird thing I have. Um, I drive my family insane because they just think that I like refuse to enjoy things. Yeah. No. My uh my 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 friend recently took me to task at a Christmas party last year for slagging off French Dispatch because everything about it looked like absolutely horrendous to me. And then he was like, no, you haven't seen it. You need to <laughs> shut up, Kathy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, by the way, Nicole, I wanted to pitch something Back. to you about your polycule fan. Oh God. Yes. Yes. That's all yes. Right. <laughs> so, what if like, uh, Peggy, uh, Bucky, Steve, all three become disillusioned by oh, with being cogs in the imperialist <gasps> war machine, and so they move to Scandinavia and form a commune. Yes. And Steve grows the beard. Yes, the daddy beard. Oh, oh, so mm. you're Stu. If we watch Infinity War together over Discord, you're you're going to fire me from this podcast because any any time. <laughs> Chris Evans comes on screen with that dad. Like, I swear to God, when I saw it in theaters with my friends and he came on screen with that daddy beard, I moaned. And after the movie, they pulled me aside. They were like, you can't we're, do that. We can't. Need Nicole, more, we can't. Uh, patrons to subscribe to, to pay for the moisture damage. It's like, furniture. Nicole, we can't bring you anywhere, <laughs> which is true. You really can't bring me anywhere, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I, I mean, we kind of already. See, I, I wish there was like a single thing in any of these movies for me to get horny. Yeah, it's you know, yeah, but yeah, there isn't. you know, it definitely. I think it def in 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 just by virtue of like, well, I, I mean, Scarlett Johansson has her moments where it's like you know they they've had like ass shots of her, but I think but I think like... for the most part, I I I think like. It, more privileges like the thirsty female gaze of just wanting to look at hot guys. Uh, whereas, I feel like you can get away with yeah. that. You, you can you can appear relatively chaste while still mm. doing that. Um, I also, I guess, they yeah. know their audience too, right? I'm sure they've got all the, the demographic data uh, and stuff dialed in. I don't know, but I mean, again, like these, like these, these. It's just like the 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 intensely erotic moment in this movie is like a guy grabbing oh out. my god these movies are all quite oh my god I, in, in terms of anything explicit <laughs> exactly like oh that's well there, there's your solution in, in terms of anything that's like implicit yeah explicit yeah. it's it's like, like very yeah very like indirect. we're not gonna see peggy actually pegging I mean, steve like that's that. <laughs> I was gonna say, like in, in that Peggy. fanfic <laughs> hypothetical, that's why that's why she got her name. Yeah. Who who is between between Bucky and and I think I don't know if we talked about this on the Silver episode. Who's who's on top? That's well, a good question. That's a think? that's a very good question. I mean, Steve is a very selfless kind. of You know of what? Guy. I'm I'm gonna say between Bucky and Steve, I'm gonna say Steve's the bottom. Might be controversial. Or you know what? I'm gonna cop. I'm gonna. I'm gonna cop out. I'm gonna cop I'm not out. Good to at, say I'm they're, not, they're I, I wouldn't know. They switch. <laughs> but same. Same applies. Same applies for the the Steve Peggy, uh, Bucky Polly. Cool. They're they're all they're all verses. They all switch. When when Steve wants to be the one getting railed out, he reads from the past book. 
he was like, he was like, he said, like, what, what are the words? Like, apartment no. uh, 17 or something. Yeah. yeah. There's actually like a yeah, secret he, message he just, in he just, he just wants, he just, he just goes all I I have a hard like I say I have a hard time imagining Steve being like uh, Steve Rogers being uh, sexually dominant uh, or like you know um, uh, y- y- you know like doing any choking or hair pulling or ass smacking uh, with, the, with, his, a, with a physique like that with a physique like that I I'm sorry I. You know what? I'm not gonna out myself like this. Yeah, I, this this podcast is already gonna be used against me uh, for, for for many things I've already said. But I'm I'm not gonna verge to. It was y- y- y'all know y'all know I'm stupidly down bad for Chris <laughs> Evans. But I'm I'm not gonna give you guys any more ammo. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna it, say. It was such a funny thing. Uh, as I as I went through my twenties, like say you know I I I entered adulthood being like, well, you know. You know, like women want to be treated respectfully and, and romance. Oh yeah, and, and you learning that women are fucking freaks. Appreciate, and then and then they're just like, and then just like every woman I'm with is just like, just 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 beat the shit. That's that's me. <laughs> Kathy, that's choke another, me and pull like, my hair and another... smack my ass and say filthy things. I was just like, ah, this is this is this yeah, is Kathy. Our, that's this another is, this that's another wrong. great thing about this this overall podcast that we've been doing is just like. Just, just by virtue of me being like a sicko freak, mm. weirdo. Just, just every so often, like I, I get to see a moment where, like, I open up the fact that women are discussing sickos a little bit more mm. for Stu, and it's just, it's, it's like, it's like seeing like a, it's like watching like a baby discover object permanence. Right. It's, it's like a gradual pilling. Girls are horny too. Just as horny as guys, supposedly. <laughs> no, no. There's no way girls are as horny as I am. That's true. Jay Fox's pillow. I also once fucked this really sexy bag of potting soil. See? They can't be like Jay. To completion. The boy is a deviant. Yeah, I'm not allowed back in that greenhouse. I just, it was funny because I was like 19. I remember thinking, I'm, I'm too sexually perverted. Women will find me repulsive. And now entering my 30s, it's like, I'm, I'm not nearly <laughs> sexually perverted enough. This, Women will not find me excited. group just um, like turn into a psychiatrist's couch. It did. Well, let's you know what let's let's talk about the ending because right. although we did kind of oh well well uh, yeah the aftermath of the fight we've we've got to compensate for the lack of adult mm. sexuality or adult much yeah of uh, yeah Rody uh, <laughs> during the the big sort of thing of the oh yeah Sorry, scene can I just say something yeah, Vision just yeah. whiffs it's really bothered me oh yeah yeah um <laughs> was it like Rocky Roads or something. He's such a dick in this movie. <laughs> like Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. His name yeah. is Don Cheadle, Cappy. Um, he's the he's the bad guy in Space Jam Two. Of course. I, I oh my god, I saw that with the raucous abomination. He's such a dick in this movie. Like he's such a buzzkill. Like yeah. he's always like sarcastic and like it's like like oh yeah, yeah, this is Tony Stank. And it's like He's like every time he like says something, I just like deflate. And to be honest, that was something I thought of when we were discussing the airport scene. Is there are a lot of jaded guys in this scene, in this airport scene? You got like Don Cheadle, like you know, just pissing on everybody's parade. You got like Jeremy Renner being like this sort of like sad looking uncle figure. Um, he he'd rather he yeah he was supposed to go skiing with his family. Mm. Goddamn it. 
And then you've got like Paul Rudd just being sport. like an absolute sweetheart. <laughs> just like really game for He's it. like, I'm just happy to be here. Captain America? Gorge. Yeah, yeah, he's like a big goofus, basically. Yeah, well, that's that's that. That's the, um, I don't want to call it irony. I feel like that's a sorely abused term, but that's like that kind of just, yeah, jaded, just very, oh, this is all very mm. silly and we're all so above it. And, you know, it's 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 an unwillingness to commit to the yeah. material. Well, to be uh, honest, I, I don't think it's you know, like the, which, which, which don't undercuts. You, I think it's the actor's fault. I think or, or you know to the concept. Like I don't know. Some something to do with the character. I just did not like him. I mean, and I know that like Don Cheadle can sort of like really um, bring it. He was like one of the few good yeah. things about the Noah Baumbach White Noise recently. Okay, I haven't seen it, but is he? He's in yeah, it. Yeah, he's in it. Um, he's probably okay. like one of the few good things in that film. But um, so I don't think it's so much a problem with the actor. Um, I think it's just like the character just like always feels like a downer for me. Like he's, yeah, yeah. I think they want him to be a foil yeah. for Tony Stark, I guess. But I don't know if they ever. I don't think they've ever really figured out what. But to do you know, him. he's kind of like the straight yeah. man to like Tony's goofiness. But like he always just seems like a bit of like a. Well, no, to- Tony's the Tony's yeah, the straight exactly. man, Captain America. Messy and knotty. And <laughs> it ends up with like uh, Rhodey just being kind of bland and a little bit of a dick. Like not like a major dick, just kind of like yeah, oh, God. like some guy like turns up at a house party and you're like, oh god, he's a <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he just he's he's like a wet blanket. He or no, he's he's like you know, just like you're you're. The Avengers, you know, they're, they're like in the back of the car, you know, they're camp, all sticky kids. They've been, you know, eating Play-Doh, whatever. They're on their game. They're they're like Game Boys. And, you know, Rhodey's the one who turns around and is like, you know, don't make me turn this car mm. around. Or like or, or like that meme, yeah. the, 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 the meme based on the John Mulaney bit where it's like, you know, McDonald's, McDonald's ordering black coffee or we have food at home. He's, he's, we have food he is, at home. Um, that's it. Back to Winnipeg, guy from The Simpsons. <laughs> you kids can't keep your heads to yourself. I'm going to turn this car around and there'll be no Cape Canaveral for anybody. That's it. Back to Winnipeg. So he gets, so yeah, I guess to conclude right. this bit, because we're starting yeah, to Yeah, we got we to gotta wrap this up and um, get to what we should watch instead. Uh, yeah, he gets blown out of the sky because uh, Vision just whiffs a shot. Like, you're a robot computer god, man. And you like, just missed. When you're doing a lightsaber well, he didn't miss, and, no, uh, uh, Falcon, gets, gets Falcan, like, somersaulted out of the way. Yeah, but that's still, like, you should not, you should line up your laser beam shots so you're not gonna hit your ally also. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Mr. Genius Robot Man. Uh, anyway, so yeah, he whiffs it and he slams into the ground, which is one of the very few moments where it's like, oh, that actually yeah. looks like it might hurt. Because things rarely look like they hurt in these kind of fights. And all at once, this thing that like, it's like when a bunch of kids are having like a, a snowball fight and then like one of them slips <laughs> and cracks his head open suddenly it's serious. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. But like, I mean, yeah, like a yeah, real yeah, nasty, yeah. like um, mm. that that moment when, when playtime gets real. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then... 
I I I guess I guess Bucky gets yeah, on a plane and gets out. They, him they and Captain America get yeah, out get of away. there. Yeah, they get away to go to yeah, oh, yeah, to, they to get on the Siberia jet right to to go. Black Black Widow has a a very thinly motivated about face and lets him go. Um, and then the rest of Captain America's friends all end up in in underwater super jail, where we get one of the most baffling lines in this movie from uh, Falcon here. Uh, you're gonna have to go, Mark Furman, on my ass to get information out of. Him. I was gonna look that up. Who's so that hero cop, Mark Furman? You don't know who Mark Furman is? That's a reference to the O.J. Simpson trial, right? Yeah, he's the oh! cop that was literally a Nazi. Okay, I know. Right. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I know the O.J. Simpson I, trial. I just didn't know the name. So of that him. hero cop, Mark Furman. That's that. But that follows the line earlier when when they're arguing initially about this whole accord. Uh, uh, Steve Rogers has the the it's 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 our choice or my yeah. choice. Steve line. is pro choice, pro choice king. He also refers to this as internal. Yeah, like yeah, he did phrasing. So we have these 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 handful of of like sharp phraseological allusions to political issues, Japanese internment, uh, Nazi cops, and the O.J. Simpson trial, and um, you know the the police violence. And abortion no, rights? No, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just this, joking the, the, when the, I say. I think but the I choice think line would be pro-choice. No, no, no. I think that, I think that, I think that choice line like is a deliberate. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't think it, if we didn't have these other lines, but like internment okay, is a very yeah, specific yeah. word choice. Mark Furman is a very explicit reference. So it's like they're trying to load some kind of political allegory into this otherwise deep politicized political conflict and the the conflict the the, the outline of the conflict because because at this point like once tony stark catches up with captain america and they find out what the actual plot is they, they, they kind of drop the civil war thing in the scovia accords thing altogether it just kind of falls out of the movie yeah um but i feel like like in so much as there's a political bent to this whole conflict it's as vaguely as ill-defined as it is it's it's a very very specifically liberal one that I, I kind of want to address here, and that's the framing of the 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 liberal false dichotomy between the collective and the individual. That's how a lot of these things break down in the liberal imaginary. It's 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 the the, the collective, the state, the group, and its needs versus the individual. Mm. The individual's right to have superpowers and make their own moral decision about how to use their super awesome robot suit that can level a city um and the individual's right to just you know acquire property limitlessly versus the collective right to i don't know drink that clean drinking water that nestle owns um and that's and that's kind of like how uh neoliberalism as as a political project uh, uh gained popular support was individual rights against the collective overreaching tendencies of the state sub substituting the 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 real or perceived tyranny of of the state with the mm. apparently individualistic freedoms which in fact amount to the private tyranny of yeah. the bourgeois and and mm. i just want to i just want to address that that false dichotomy and that 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 framing that that obscures kind of i think the real contours of uh power and conflict which is which is so implicit to most liberal 
attempts at, at political allegory or depictions of dystopia mm. or what have you. And and that's also to wrap around to like the whole making superheroes synonymous with with a with a repressed or or, or regulated minority. Because mm. minorities don't have the power to level cities with their minds. Yeah. Or anything like that. They're it doesn't make sense. It's never tracked. Um and I guess before the movie just drops the Civil War thing altogether, I wanted to get that out. I don't know if you guys, if if you have thoughts on that, uh, either of you. Okay. Um, well, not really, but Kathy, I know you had some thoughts on like the the final final fight scene, and then I think we should uh, go to watch something else recommendations and wrap this this up because we are yeah, we are no, we are approaching the actual runtime of this movie. Yeah, and um, also it's eleven p.m. here. <laughs> And like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right no, time zones. Okay. I'm sorry for um, keeping you up. Also, like, I'm staying with my parents at the moment. So, yeah, let's. So, so the final scene, I think, rewatching it, I think it really works. Um, I think. I, I, I agree. I, I think it works. It might be one of the better. It's definitely one of the better Marvel fights. Because it's driven it's by the characters. And, I mean, ever since the first Avengers yeah. movie, which was like four years before Civil War, there's been that sort of, you know, ultimate difference between Iron Man and Captain America. Um, Captain America kind of being like this idealized sort of like moral paragon versus the very much more flawed kind of sort of like scrabbling along as he goes moral framework of Tony Stark um, and then you know it's like the ultimate challenge for um, Steve as well like um, yeah so I just think the reason why that fight scene works is because like there is genuine character and it's character that's been built over multiple movies so even if yeah. you like removed all the Zemo bullshit that came in the last two hours, that fight scene still works because of the stuff that the audience has picked up through watching the previous three Iron Man films, through watching the previous two Captain America films, the previous two Avengers yeah. films. It all sort of like comes together in this fight scene. So yeah, I think that's why yeah. it works. I I mean, I'll I'll agree that it's like better than anything else in the movie. I, I think it's I think from it's from an the execution best standpoint, and from yeah. having some sort of. Um, but I just I feel like everything that that is brought into place to conjure it is so contrived, mm. you know? Yeah. Like so, so many elaborate Rube Goldberg plotting elements are strung together to 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 generate this conflict, particularly. To generate a conflict without anybody being too bad yeah. of a guy. Um, but um, I think that um, it, it, that frustrates can be at, like a lot of Hollywood movies. And like, what is your threshold? For yes. Oh, it can. Oh, it it can, and I would <laughs> because a lot of like Hollywood like storylines are sort of like contrived to sort of like bring you to the moment, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I like it's it's not a, a criticism I reserve solely for this movie. It it's a thing that kind of generally drives me insane is when you have just uh I don't know, just as when you feel the writer mm. when you can sense that the writer had the moment they wanted to get to 
and just shouts and and just forced it to get there when it doesn't feel i guess mm. sufficiently motivated or 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 organic um or rational and it just mm. it's, it's i mean it's i have like i said, i have my pathologies and my pet peeves um and and i'm, I'm a <laughs> oh, you're a not. dilettante <laughs> i'm an asshole um yeah. all of all of the above but i just it yeah. it's better it's probably the most engaged I was with the movie at any point, but that was, you know, just for, for me too little yeah. too late. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. not, it's not perfect. I mean, like there's that whole stuff where Iron Man's talking to his computer, which I really didn't like in that scene. It kind of like, Oh yeah. Program oh, counter, God, but you yeah. can't beat That's him in so hand-to-hand like... combat. And then Friday immediately programs a way for him to beat him in hand-to-hand yeah. combat. I'm like, what the yeah, yeah, and it's like you you've you've been fighting alongside this guy for years and you never like yeah, that's dumb. previously that's dumb. analyzed his combat, but like three punches and suddenly you can figure out how to fight a guy whose whole fighting style is 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 40s <laughs> street brawl. Like ah, that's it's just such bullshit. It's such just hack conjured up well we need to fight well they have the architecture that we need the fight yeah. to go in this direction then we need to go in this direction then we don't go back this direction and so we we contrive a reason for it to go from one way to the other that just doesn't okay. sell i just i'm not sold. yeah admittedly i am willfully hard to sell but yes all right well should we um, since since you had the unless kathy you have uh something you want to add before we go into watch something else recommendations um I just wanted to sort of like bring up one final thing about that yeah. final fight between Captain America and Iron Man and their sort of like brewing conflict throughout the movies was the fact that Iron Man is a rich kid and the whole like AI thing like helping him like get an upper hand in the fight is kind of like indicative of that rich kid with like everything yeah. kind of him versus Captain America who before he had his powers was someone who was just like determined came from much more humble origins yeah and got to where he was just through sheer grit so there's also that dimension to their conflict which i think is also at play in that final fight scene which i think gives it a bit more than other fight scenes in both this movie and in other mcu fight scenes yeah yeah i think that's fair i, I just actually something that occurs to me and i don't Necessarily want to give the movie credit for this, but just as a stray thought, um, th- there is a narcissism to guilt-based morality because it comes from the desire to see yourself and to be seen by others as a good person, not to do what's good because it's good, but to do what's good because you want to be good. I feel like that's I, a, there we go. A, yeah, a that's that's Tony's character. So you know what, Sue, as the one who hated this movie. Uh, give give us your watch something else recommendation. Oh, well, I just I'm having trouble with these. I, I relatively so... enjoyed this movie, and I already have a watch something else rack. So there, there's so much. I, I feel like I, I there's so much just kind of playing in the same um, uh, arena. After a while, I feel like I run out of comparable. Movies. Okay, so I'll you, give my you you go I, first. Yeah, I just you know need what? A I can't. I can't believe I've never mentioned this before. But fucking watch a Godzilla movie. Like that's you know the 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 
you know, it also very much like, you know, the, these MCU movies, it's uh, it's IP properties. We're slamming these action figures together. Uh, that's, you know, the whole the whole appeal of the Kaiju movie is, you know, let them fight. Um, I'm, I'm, of course, speaking as someone who like grew up, was like weaned on like the Heisei era, like Godzilla movies. Like there is uh, like the Godzilla versus Mothra, like 90s movie like we have that on vhs and me and my sister like you know the little little tiny twin girls that accompany mothra like whenever they would come on screen i'd, I'd have my, oh, my yeah. dad or my mom pause the video me and my sister would get up and go sing together it was really yeah but um uh just uh, also just because i think uh, the official official godzilla day was a couple days ago they announced they're gonna make a new uh toho is gonna make a new uh japanese godzilla movie so it's I don't know if it's going to be in continuity with Shin Godzilla, um, mm. so you know what, my, uh, I, I, you know, I'll I'll just say here are my here are my Godzilla recommendations. Definitely the first, the original OG. Uh, Shin Godzilla oh, yeah, is yeah. my is arguably my favorite, just because I'm a you know Hideaki Anno stan. Um, in terms of the Showa era, uh, my favorite's probably Godzilla versus Hedorah because it's got that psychedelic, uh, fun style to it. Um, just uh, invasion of the Astro Monsters is fun, just just because of the the opening march and Godzilla mm-hmm. does like a like a like a touchdown dance. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the Heisei era, um, Godzilla versus Violante is great. Uh, best one is probably Godzilla versus Destroya because they actually were like, hey, what if the uh, thing that was used to kill the original Godzilla, what if that actually made another? terrible monster and it's just like it took you like 10 movies for you to come up with that idea <laughs> okay and it's great um so yeah if um if if you like marvel movies and are hungry for something else uh godzilla movies will will fill that appetite for you they're uh even i i watched a newer godzilla movie in like the 2000s with my roommate because we both really like godzilla and it was the, the effects were bad, but it's like Godzilla movies are like pizza or sex. And like, you know, even when they're not good, you're still like, hell yeah, I'm eating pizza slash fucking. So, you know, you can't, it's a, at yeah. the same time. So it's, you know, Godzilla, Godzilla is a great, I think in general, Godzilla is a great, like Marvel alternative. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do everything. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it doesn't have. It doesn't have the sort of, except for Shin Godzilla, because that is more emotionally like character driven. Um, but you know, you get in terms of like fun action sequences and spectacles. Yeah, it's mostly guys in fucking suits stomping on like miniatures. But that's why it's fun. So, Kathy, do you have anything um, uh, you want to recommend? Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna piggyback off. Uh, your kaiju recommendation and say uh, War of the Gargantuas where like that's like a 60s kaiju with like um... I think that's on Criterion channel oh is it yeah. awesome um, it's like two yeah. Sasquatch monsters but they were like <laughs> well, smaller yeah. they were smaller kaiju so the sets had to be more detailed so the destruction is extra juicy and also, it was, Ooh. like, one of the few sort of, like, kaiju outfits with eyes, so there's a bit more of, like, the emotional resonance there. So I think that makes a nice panel for the Captain America v. Iron Man. But I also wanted to recommend, and I know it's a very popular movie, but Pacific Rim, because 
it recreates that. Wait, what movie? Hmm? What movie? Pacific Rim. Gamma del Toro. I've never heard of this. Oh, oh Pacific, Pacific Rim. Rim. Okay. <laughs> so the, 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 the only time I was like, huh. Like this, because you were like, you know, you're, you're, you're British notes. Oh, right. Uh, but yeah, no. Spe- Pacific Rim. Yeah. Um, Guillermo del Toro. There's actually. Um, I thought you said Vikram. <laughs> The um the like, the Australian guy in that is um uh Robert Kadinsky. He's like quite a well-known British soap actor, which is kind of cool. But um, okay. the reason why I chose Pacific Rim was because I'm piggybacking off your kaiju thing. But I think it relates to Civil War. What I like about Civil War is the thing with your action figures feeling Pacific Rim that better, and it also has some nice character-driven moments as well. Pacific, much better, much, much more of the gargantuas choices. Yeah, and it's also you know Del Toro. So, so I I didn't like this movie. So I'm I'm going to recommend what I think is maybe like the diametrical opposite, almost uh, of this movie. You can't of this say kind RoboCop. Of movie. Uh, okay. No, no, I'm not going to say RoboCop. That, that's not the that's not a I mean, diametrical, diametrical opposite. opposite of like no, the no, MCU uh, itself. It's no more of a parallel. No, this is like just a completely different type of movie. Okay. Uh, William Friedkin's Sorcerer. Okay, I haven't seen. I I rewatched The Exorcist recently. I'm I'm definitely gonna rent Sorcerer from work. Sorcerer um, rocks. It's, it's like it's a remake of Wages of Fear, right? Yes. Yeah. But do you choose that, Stu? Well, because it's a movie that's like, uh, all, there's like almost no there's not even like i don't think hardly any even rear projection it's like they got the actors to actually the premise of the movie is pretty straightforward uh a bunch of guys including uh roy scheider uh are are all on the run from some bad thing and they all end up in a shitty town in uh south america where there's an oil well uh up the up uh, up the road that uh blows up and they need explosives to put out the fire. And the explosives are sweaty old dynamite that's sweating nitroglycerin and will blow up with a bit of a jostle. And uh, so Roy Scheider and these other fucked up guys got to load them into old shitty trucks and drive through 200 miles of jungle without blowing up mm. to deliver these explosives. Nice. Yeah. And gotta, they're, they, they're William Friedkin because he's an insane guy. He literally took the whole is an production to Guatemala to actually put the actors in actual fucking trucks and drive them through actual trails and over rope bridges over raging streams. And so just like a guy driving a truck over a, over, over just kind of like a shitty, not even like the rope bridge sequence, the famous one, but it's like driving a, a shitty truck over a shitty bridge where it's like, he gets stuck in a divot is so much more exciting than anything than anything in this movie. I was on the edge of my seat for that whole the whole yeah, back half of that movie. That. It's great. That movie's outstanding. It's an awesome movie. Um, Kino, <laughs> uh, Sorcerer. Great, great, great shit. Um, yeah. Well, to wrap it up, uh, Kathy, is there anything you would like to plug? Um, yes, plug. Plug, yeah, plug away. I recently started um, editing for Cinema Year Zero, which is a website my friends started during lockdown. It kind of tries to publish essays at least every two months. Um, we recently published volume 11 um, after a six-month hiatus, and the theme is resurrection because we have resurrected. Um, yeah, so quality writing uh, tries to take a more irreverent view of film culture. Check it out. 
Uh, that was Cinema Year Zero? Cinema Year Zero. Yep. That's right. Yep, Cinema Year Zero. I'm looking at the, the site right now. There's a... Uh, uh, I, I got to see August in the Water. That's been on a on on my list mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, so yeah, no, any I I highly recommend everyone listening go support Kathy's work. Uh, just really great film critic. Um, I've uh, you know as 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 you know a, a film critic myself. You know I'm I'm very jealous of just how your ability to just you know just keep producing content and all these really great film analyses. So yeah, definitely if, if you're listening and you consider yourself in front of the pod, go, go support Kathy. Um, uh, so yeah, that's, we are, we are now we have gone longer than the actual movie itself. Yeah. So we should, we should go. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. Thank you so much everybody for listening um, and supporting the show. Uh, uh, Twitter at Marvelous Death, uh, Patreon.com slash Marvelous Death. Uh, uh, every uh, little bit helps pay the bills and so forth. Um, thank you for listening. Have a great whatever time of day it is. It's a, a daylight <laughs> savings. And, and wait, you gotta, you, gotta you, say you may be listening you, you may be listening to this at any point. I, I, I don't want to. I've decided it's too corny. Aww. Uh, cinema's dead long live I don't, I don't know something something yeah, John Goddard it. something Goddard said I said John Goddard Jean-Luc Goddard Jean-Luc Goddard alright good night everybody good night Tokyo City like a big playground When suddenly a bad man burst from the shade And hit Godzilla with a bad grenade Godzilla got pissed and began to attack But didn't expect to be blocked by Shaq Who proceeded to open up a can of Shaq through When Eric Carter came out of the blue And he started beating up Shaquille O'Neal Then they both got flattened by the Batmobile But before we could make it back to the Batcave Abraham Lincoln popped out of his grave And took an AK-47 out from under his hat Blew Batman away with a rat-a-tat-tat But he ran out of bullets and he ran away Because often this prime came to save the day This is the ultimate showdown Of ultimate destiny Could rise bad guys and explosions As far as the eye can see And only one will survive I wonder who it will be This is the ultimate showdown Of ultimate destiny You don't know who Mark Furman is? That hero cop, Mark Furman.